Hello and welcome to the Quarter to Three podcast for the week of August 1st, 2012. I'm Jason McMaster and uh, my game of the week is not Farmville. Hello, my name is Tom Chick and my game of the week is not Mag. Mm. <laughs> that makes me sad. Uh, hello, my name is Rob Harvey, also known as Chaplin, and my game of the week is not Pocket Heroes. Oh. That doesn't make yes. me sad. <laughs> well, it might make McMaster a little sad. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're Chap Elf. Yeah, I'm Chap Elf, I'm Chap Dwarf, I'm Chap... Um, I'm, that's one of the reasons why it's not my game of the week. I've just, you know, I like so many different kinds of video games that pretty much I'll play anything except, like, sports games or you know, reality-based games, really. Oh, but Rob, I was going to invite you to my NHL league. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to step on it. Uh, don't. And also, uh, McMaster was going to invite you to his uh, real-world MTV Snooky session that he has once a week. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just... Those genres just don't work, and now I think I can just throw in a whole other aspect in that. Even if I love the game, I love the concept of the game, and I'm eager to play in the game, if it's asynchronous, I'm out. Wait, yeah. you're out? You're out? Out. This game I can understand, though, because I never get to take my turns. It's like you get to take like one turn a day, and it's like a yeah. short-ass short game. So, so wait, let's, let's back up a second, because I, I realized I was confusing... Uh, Oh, rats. What was the thing that Robot Entertainment did where you have little dudes that come out on, like, a chessboard and it's like a little tactics game with fantasy pieces? Rats, what was that called? It's not... Someone help me. I'm floundering. McMaster, throw me a life. It's line. hilarious to watch. Are you talking about... Um, Think about the that board one, game, the Robot Rally. one you don't like? Yeah, yeah, I didn't like it, and it's called something like Pocket Heroes. It's robot no, it's, entertainment. It's, the guys that yeah, it's, it's Zemo's group, right? Uh, right, yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's something Heroes, but it's not Pocket Heroes. Pocket Heroes is an asynchronous uh, well, like, I little to, I adventure have, game. Right, I've seen the thread on it, and the thread is at once fascinating and reaffirms my desire to never play it. Uh, so, so let's back up a little bit. One of you guys, uh, Rob, tell us a bit about what is Pocket Heroes. Uh, Pocket Heroes was my attempt to give Asynchronous one more college try. Okay. Uh, and it's an asynchronous dungeon crawl cooperative type game that, as far as I can tell, is designed with the idea of doing kind of like an old school board type game that you'd play, but each it's asynchronous, so each person has their one character that they move and they push their turn and and it's uh, as McMaster said, it's it's the pace is just glacial. I, I yeah. just I want to play it, but you, it's kind of like trying to play um, Hero Academy, but if you That's only it. got two moves, not even five, just two moves, and there's no repeat. There's and the moves are like pretty obvious. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like playing playing a, the combat in an AD and D pen and paper game uh, via email. And you only get to make, like, yeah. one eight-second turn a day. <laughs> I roll a 17. Well, I'm done until tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, yes. You know, you know what? Maybe maybe you kids should stick with Call of Duty with your short attention spans uh, and your absolute inability to be patient. But what you're describing sounds awesome to me. What, what kind of dissuaded me from trying it was in that thread. It seemed like everyone was trying to figure out things like, 
you know, uh, how do I equip my sword? How do I open the door to the tavern? Oh. Where's my inventory? What, oh, what? that's all rookie crap. I don't know who the <laughs> hell couldn't figure that out, but whatever. Uh, the point is that it's you – know, I tried to get you to buy the game. It's 99 cents. I sent you an invite, you know. Uh, but anyway uh, – just so you know, McMaster, the, the 99 cents I have no problem with. It's reading about people struggling with it that made me think. <laughs> I can think of about 12 other games I'm dying to get to on my oh. iPad. This one can sit at number 13 for a while. Yeah, yeah. it's not that it's, like, bad. It's just that you have four people all taking their turns just win the hell, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah you might get a turn or two a day. Like, if I, if I thought for an instance that I could take my turn and sit down and maybe everybody else would do it and we could play like a game in an hour or, you know, while watching TV or something. That's fine with me, but otherwise, eh, whatever. Okay. Now, now I, I'm sorry. Well, no, go ahead, Rob. I was just saying, that's exactly how I was trying to push for it in the beginning. I'm like, hey, let's pick a time, let's roll some characters and like, play this thing, but it, it felt like, I feel like there's a different because I know if like or Christmas Di- uh, 2, or, you know, Call of Duty, or Halo shows up, and people are going to dump hours and hours, and it'll be no problem finding, but it seems like if you suggest something Ace Rink, it's like, whoa, ho, 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 I, I, I don't have time for that stuff. I'll, I'll do, you know, like, my turn while I have coffee, and that's it for, like, the next three weeks. And just, yeah. You know. no, that's why i kind of given up on even checking for it as often, because it's like, uh, whatever. <laughs> now, Rob, it sounds though like you're writing off asynchronous play in general. In that, it sounds like the problem with Pocket Heroes is how little happens each turn, how inconsequential each turn is. But it seems to me the mark of a good asynchronous game, and I would hate for you to give up on that dynamic as a whole, is a game that lets you make an interesting, meaningful choice every time, even if it's only once a day. And I think of games like like Ascension or the way some people seem to dig Summoner Wars. Uh, I, I would just hope you would leave the door open for better asynchronous games. Well, I have tried other ones. I mean, this this was kind of like my last, like, let's give this another a go type thing because it was cooperative and whatnot. But I, I tried the uh, Hero Academy, and I, I imagine what Summoners Wars would be like or Ascension would be like. But even in my my experience with Hero Academy, well, I, I liked the game. I really enjoyed the game. It's just the pace. I It seems to me like what ends up happening is you open up 100 games and you play you know, like one turn at a time over like, a half hour or whatever across a bunch of games, and I would just rather play one game in that half hour. And it's when I tried to explain it to another friend, I was talking to this about, and is my feeling towards asynchronous. Is it feels like I'm playing a game of you know StarCraft, where I'm playing 25 games of StarCraft, and I only get to do something that's in between the 10 minute and 25 second mark and the 10 minute and 30 second mark <laughs> yeah. over and over and over again. And it's it's not as it's just it's always unsatisfying all right I, you, okay fine have fun in call of duty <laughs> uh, rob actually you and i go back to uh i, I just know probably some of my my favorite multiplayer sessions were playing uh mag with you so that's why i chose it not as my game of the week not because i don't like mag it's just you know it's maybe my game of every other week other than this week when i'm playing other things but i i fondly recall mag uh, I want to ask, have you ducked into MAG lately? Do you know how it's doing? Uh, the last time I ducked into it, um, which is interesting because I know we also have very different opinions on, on this, was um, right around uh, the time that I think it was Killzone 3 showed up and they had the 
uh, I forget the name of it, the little gun thing that you could use. Sure shot. Move. Isn't it the sure shot or some silly name like that? Something like that. It's it's a it's it looks like a World War II Thompson that's you know flashy orange and white or whatever. And, right. Uh, I don't think those those Thompsons came in orange and white back in I, no, in the. Room. I, I don't think you know. It, it's a very good for camouflage or whatever, and it, it sure gets uh, non-gamers' attention as far as okay, yeah, that that's a great hobby. <laughs> but um, I but so yeah, that. you liked that in in Killzone Three, and I wasn't super fond of it. But you, I seem to recall, thought that that was a cool way to play Killzone Three, right? Yeah, Killzone Three, I enjoyed it as just an experience, and then also I would even ar- I well, I did argue at the time I'm, <laughs> that uh, I thought it was a significant advantage if somebody was was good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but not to really dip into that side of it. But I did go back to Mag when that when I got that particular device because I knew Mag added later on support for that, mm-hmm. and it was horrendous. It was Mag it was, was horrendous, or the support for the Sure Shot Super Shooter was horrendous. Uh, well, a little bit of both. But, oh, but <laughs> don't say Mag is horrendous. Oh no, oh. really? Mag doesn't hold up. What are you saying? Well, okay. So let me unpackage or, or unpack that a bit. So the first, the support for the device, I think it it really just. It didn't work. It was just kind of all over the place. I mean, it, maybe it's changed over time. I only played it at the, at the moment because you know we both enjoyed Mag, and I kind of like, well, what the heck? Let's take a peek at Mag. Mm-hmm. But then Mag itself, it just seems like um, it's it's kind of evolved over time. Where you have I, Mag is is such a a shining example of of uh, gameplay that can really be above and beyond a, a shooter if you have people that are willing to 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 use the analogy you guys were t- using before about asynchronous, um, is if you we're willing to approach it as, as brain food as opposed to just a shooter. I mean, mm-hmm. Mag could really open up. But unfortunately, over time, you get either people that are really in their tight-knit groups and they're the ones who are really carving it up, or... You have the majority of people which have just, they don't care. They just want to spawn and chase something and kill something. And, that's kind of, uh, that's sad to hear. If that Because it, it, you're right, it is one of those games that just has so much potential, but it's only going to be as good as the people playing it. Uh, and I would just hate to think that over time it wouldn't develop, like it wouldn't become richer as people gravitate to it for the unique selling points. Uh-huh. That's kind of sad. McMaster, let's all go in to play Mag. Uh, Rob and I are going to run off <laughs> and shoot things. We need you to stay back and guard the base and uh, hit the triangle button to peel potatoes in the in the kitchen. Uh, <laughs> you know, I did play Mag, you know. <laughs> okay, in that case, we might let you drive the APC and drop us off at the front lines, but then go back to see if anybody else needs a ride. We need you to just make a few runs there to pick people up. Can you do that? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll run over you. <laughs> I recall our APC runs were not exactly the shining example of uh, good teamwork when we were playing it as a group. But uh, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what that could every, possibly be a reference to. Every game that has like group transport in it has some very <laughs> unamazing like, runs. I remember I, I played Planetside with Xerox and a bunch of guys from quarter to three, and we had so many times where we were just ejecting people from things and running over other team members. It's just, it was awful. I, in theory, I love the idea that somebody's going to have to drive a bunch of people to the front line. You know, games like Planet Side. Uh, yeah. There's an awesome game from Nova Logic called Joint Ops, way, way back when, like pre Battlefield Three days, where you know you would fly a transport helicopter across these huge maps to get people to the the fighting. Uh, I love that in theory, but man, it's so hard to make that work, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, well, sometimes, you know, it's like we we ended up being pretty good at it because in Planetside, you really didn't have much of a choice. You had to get there, and uh, it was better if you could take a vehicle uh, to respawn from. Uh, but, yeah, it never seems to work out as well, but it does lead to some really fantastic memories. Yeah. I'm looking so, forward to Planetside 2 for that reason alone, if nothing else. Oh, yeah, McMaster, let's all play uh, Planetside 2, and we need you to stay oh, back in the base, and we need you to just keep an eye on uh, one of the back doors in case I've, anybody spawns there. And I've we're going to need you. So much Planetside. How can right? you even say that to me? Well, we just uh. need you there just, just for like the first three hours of the play session. Just keep an eye on this door, make sure nobody from the other team spawns or, or tries to come in there, and we're going to be out fighting. Is that okay? Can you, can you cover that for us? I'm going to shoot a lasher up your ass. <laughs> whoa, whoa, so much aggression. <laughs> Maybe he should be back at the base so we can make sure that the proper contemporary movie ads are showing up on the sci-fi walls. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, let's not forget about that. Yeah, McMaster, keep a log of what ads are showing and peel some potatoes and keep an eye on that door. I mean, that's a lot to do right there. That's serious gameplay, all three of those things. Yeah, that was a. Uh, when? Did, what was that movie they kept advertising so heavily in Planet Side? I, uh, I, I may be mistaken, but I remember it being something as absurd as like you're playing Planet Side sci-fi on planets with lasers and chasing after bases, and you see like an ad for Deuce Bigelow on the on the wall, mm. and it's it just was like, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I think it might have been Deuce Bigelow. It, it reminds me of all the brouhaha about uh, I think it was Battlefield 2142 when they were supposedly going to do a lot of the in-game advertising and they promised that it would it would fit in with the environment and, and i don't know how that even really played out much at all but in planet side it did not fit in <laughs> well you know what fortunately when they do that it means that the games cost us less because of course yeah, because oh, yeah. of course they're getting their advertising money so they're they're not going to charge us the same amount so no yeah. no no never never <laughs> Uh, speaking of asynchronous play, real quick. Uh, so, Rob, I just wanted to update folks. Last week on the podcast, uh, we we promised that we would play a little Summoner Wars. We had a fellow named Dave Perkins, who was a, an ardent Summoner Wars, uh, you could call him an apologist. Um, so we pledged we would play a little of that. McMaster, how did our Summoner Wars game go? And uh, how are you feeling about Summoner Wars these days? Uh, I like Summoner Wars. Um, I would say our first game was my favorite. Yeah, that didn't count. Uh, what happened? Oh, <laughs> I wonder who won. So no, you know what? Nobody. Here's here, here's who won. The interface won. Oh oh oh. oh. Because I accidentally used a spell that damaged my main dude in order to get a benefit, which I wasn't eligible for, and let it it, it still let me do that. So there's no undo button. So the lack of an undo button won the game because I basically helped McMaster kill my summoner. So, McMaster, if you're comfortable calling that a win, you know what? Whatever you can sleep at night with, fine. Go ahead. I got, I got an achievement out of it. Beating <laughs> the first five turns was pretty rad. Is there Just, an achievement? Like shoots himself in the face, and then I ran over and punched him like five times, and he fell over dead. I don't think you had to punch me five times. I did a lot of. I did a fair amount of damage on my own. Thank you, you should have done like two points of damage. Is what the spell was. But you know what, McMaster? Those are the most important two points of damage. Oh, it's the, the other like three or four I did don't really count. It's yeah. Just- it's kind of like when somebody loosens a jar for you. You don't get extra credit for actually opening the jar. Most of the work has already been done. That's how I felt about that. But I think, yeah, no, the, the second game... Uh... Yeah, first of all, the second game, what, what kind of dude 
plays a game like Summoner Wars or even like an RTS or whatever and picks the same freaking race as the guy he's playing against. McMaster, what were you thinking? You can't see the race you're playing against until you pick. Oh, I thought that's why you picked the undead. <laughs> because I was doing it. Okay. So that was- I like the undead. I've been playing them, so I-, I figured I would do that. You got like, I don't know what the hell happened, but you got some sort of ungodly draw or something. Also, nice rolling. I mean, I swear to God, could you miss at one point <laughs> during that second round? Oh, my God. McMaster, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm, I'm a professional. I, oh, I, I know dice. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I was just thinking that. You're, you're really good with those dice. So part of my problem, McMaster, is I did feel like one of my complaints about the game is it, it, it's kind of like you have this small deck of 30 cards, and unless it just seems for the most part we're just going to exhaust that deck and it's going to be a slugfest and whoever's last man standing is going to win. Right. And I kind of feel like that's what happened with our undead game. There was some good back and forth. You know, we both had the same yeah. faction, but I just kind of feel like, you know what, we just had to both burn through all of our cards and I was lucky enough that once all the cards were gone, I was kind of the last guy left standing. All right. I, I'm going to try to channel Dave here for a moment. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Uh, granted, I haven't done the asynchronous element to it, but I, I have really enjoyed Summoner Wars and so close to actually purchasing the physical product as much as I've enjoyed it. And it seems to me that that is absolutely part of the game. And, and one of the things that I still scratch my head about, because it seems like you are always, your big thing about games is, is strategic choices where you have to choose A, but if you do A, the opportunity cost is B and C can't happen. Yep. It seems like Summoner Wars is just, that's just everywhere. And one of the things that that's everywhere is being very conservative with your resources, your cards, for knowing when to dig into the deck for mana and when to look for that character and when to even sacrifice your own to deny the opponent. That it just seemed like that's, that's in a way, it's, it's to me like saying a big game hunters is the only way to play StarCraft 1. You know, it, it's, resources are, are very important. Well, that is how you play StarCraft 1, right? I mean, I'm, just, I'm, just <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even sure what a big game hunters is but I, I get what you're saying rob but i just you know here's part of what i think might be going on uh is i'm playing decks without knowing the cards and i'm learning the cards as they come up so i don't think i have much of an appreciation for you know it's just clearly i haven't wrapped my head around what a different faction does and the different ways it can play and how you can configure the deck so i'm just kind of reacting to the stuff as it's coming out and then stuff stops coming out, and one of us has won the game. So, again, I clearly concede that maybe I'm just not appreciating it yet. And I haven't given up on it, but I just feel like my last game with McMaster didn't really change my mind. And I'm, I'm perfectly willing to cop to that. It's my own fault. So Yeah, we, uh, yeah I don't know. I've played probably 12 games since I got it. Oh, uh, I didn't. What, what, you can't, like, practice. No, people kept <laughs> challenging me, and I kept saying, oh, all right. And then, like, I would play, and it would get over, and then it would just, like, be instant rechallenge. And I, I'm actually losing right now, but let me tell you why I'm losing. Sometimes people like to set up games that have a 15 minute time limit, and then it forces you to forfeit if you don't take your turn in that 15 minutes. So, uh, yeah, like that one game, my first time, first time we played that I set up, I didn't know how to change the time limit, and it made me forfeit that game to you. You remember that? I think I forfeited to you, if I'm no, not mistaken. No, I forfeited to you. I got a no, forfeit. I forfeited to you. 
Oh, whatever. <laughs> well, that is that that is the thing is that you have to. I, I've gotten a few challenges from people just starting to play, and they're sending me these fifteen minute challenges, and I've learned enough to turn those down. Uh, I have gotten other challenges, by the way, which I just haven't accepted because, as I said, I feel like I haven't wrapped my head around it yet. So, if you've sent me a challenge, I'm not being rude. I, I will eventually accept it once I learn the game, uh, which basically entails beating McMaster a few more times. So if I were to send out a challenge, right, it, it would have the options of like 15 second turns. <laughs> That's like it's like speed chess where you got to slap the yeah. clock real fast. Pretty much. Well, one of the things that kind of turned me off a little bit about answering synchronous was that whole analogy about like making bread in between turns. I'm like, I no, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm built for Call of Duty. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Rob, you, you you kitties and your shooters. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really don't mind like Summoner Wars and certain board games asynchronous because I don't really feel that I I feel the super need to rush through them. But Pocket Heroes makes me insane. It, yeah, it is. It is too little. It's like a game that's supposed to be played quickly in a way, because otherwise, like, well, what's the point? You know, uh, I don't even remember what the hell we're doing at this point, and uh, we're only on the first quest. Yeah. <laughs> McMaster in, in Pocket Heroes, we need you to be uh, the cleric. Uh, so just make sure to stock up on healing spells. If anybody gets hurt, heal them. Uh, you also can't use any of the cool weapons. You can only use a mace. Uh, we haven't found a mace yet, so until we find one, here's a stick. You use this. Um, and well, you, you have to be the elf, then. I'm always the elf. I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. And uh, by the way, can I use, is the name Legolas taken? Can I use that? <coughs> Legolas, yeah, I think you can. That's fine. All right. Uh, I, I spell it with two S's to avoid any trademark infringements. So you're so like Lego Lass? Shut up! If I was to put a dash in there? Shut up! Oh, are, are you overloaded? Shut up. Oh, God. <laughs> this is the greatest thing. Sorry. All right. Uh, so, enough about inside jokes about PSP RPGs. Um, <laughs> let's get into this week's format, which is News of the Week and Games of the Week. Let's start with a little News of the Week that Rob... Oh, wait, Rob, I screwed up. Is your... Hold on. Nobody listen. Rob, is, is MechWarrior News of the Week or Game of the Week? Uh, I, would, I would categorize it as news. All right, we're back. We're going to start with a little news of the week, uh, starting with our guest, Rob Harvey. Rob Harvey, what is your news of the week, and why are you such a jerk that you didn't say hi to me during your news of the week? Uh, well, <laughs> recently, as part of, I guess, uh, the next phase of uh, MechWarrior Online, uh, mm -hmm. they went ahead and hosted an event, or NVIDIA hosted them. I'm not sure exactly how that panned out, but it was at NVIDIA uh, in the Bay Area. They hosted a kind of first glance by, for the public to see MechWarrior online, and I managed to be able to be invited to that event. And unfortunately, as I found out after the fact, uh, apparently we just missed each other there, which makes you know, sense, but it's kind of sad. Because <laughs> I, I got to go there as a, a you know, like a They'll invite press up to say, hey, look at the game, and do you like it, and get excited about it, and maybe write about it. So I got to go up for one of those. It was kind of a last-minute thing. I didn't really know too far in advance that I was going to be there. And to be perfectly honest, I wasn't even sure what I was going to. I thought it was going to be a kind of a typical press dog and pony show where you have a developer sitting you down in front of a computer saying, here's our game, let me tell you about it. Uh, and so I was pretty surprised when I got there and saw this huge line of people outside um, I presume one of those was you, Rob. Uh, yes, it was. As so I, they, go ahead. 
I was going to say, as I was standing there in line checking my forum post to see if by any chance anybody posted, hey, yeah, I'm going too. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a thread. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So uh, now how did you – so it, it was like an online sign-up, or how did you find out about this, and what was involved in terms of like getting to attend it? So it was a very, for me as well, a last minute. And to be honest, you probably wouldn't, I would imagine, wouldn't have seen it because you were either on a plane or in the car um, probably at the time. But for me, it was very last minute, partly because I didn't even know this thing was happening until I saw a very last minute thing on the MechWarrior Online main page that said, hey, Friday we're doing Mech Madness at NVIDIA, you know, all this kind of stuff. And that's where I saw, oh, what's this? And I, you know, I was already. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure how to... I mean, there's this history with Battletech and MechWarrior, and, and I was already very, very curious about the game, but I wasn't you know, willing to, you know, because they have the Founders Club that gives you a chance to... Essentially, it's not... It's it's uh, it's sort of like, I guess, their version of a Kickstarter, I guess. Um, you, you know, contribute to it, and part of that is you get access to different things, but, uh, you know, I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to commit, because, I, you know, you never know. I mean, the Mech franchise is such a... It's such a franchise that is is pretty hit and miss, but it's been pretty much missed for about a decade. It's been kind of gone because it's uh, well, yeah. When you say miss, it's like no one's even tried. I mean, this has been a dormant license, basically, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, I mean, it's, it's so good. when you first contacted me about this, I was I was a little taken back because I didn't feel like I was the you know the, the you know Dave the Lee Perkins or or Rorschach for sort of the stars or or Brian for space games. I'm like I'm not sure how I'm the representative for MechWarrior, but uh, I feel like I'm you know somebody walking up on the street and asking somebody about Star Wars who's you know a male you know in their 30s. It's like okay, what do you want to know? I mean, I just we've all seen them. <laughs> well, but to be but, fair, not everyone was at like the super Star Wars premiere. You were at by virtue of of attending the little event, you have some insight into MechWarrior. And just to let folks listen, uh listening know, Rob may or may not be in the beta, and if he is in the beta, there's an NDA going. So, uh they've been very uh you, you know, not strict or anything. They just have their beta going and they don't want folks to talk about what's going on in the beta. So if say Rob was in the beta, which may or may not be, uh we can't really talk about that. But what we can talk about, Rob, is what this event was, what it was like, uh and and whether or not you won. <laughs> so <laughs> so we'll save that last part for last. So you, you sign up for it, you show up, and what, they're arranging people into teams for like a bracket competition, right? Yeah, so again, to get back to where it was, I mean, I've, I've been very curious because, I mean, I, I grew up more or less with, to me, I think of it as Battletech, not MechWarrior, because I, I remember as a kid really wanting to get the box game with all the little cardboard things, because of course it had like um, the selling point with the license with Harmony Gold, they had all the Robotech stuff on it, and as a kid I was so excited, and I remember my parents would let me get it because it came from a bookstore and not Toys R Us. And, <laughs> and, and that just kind of cascaded over time where I remember sitting down, you know, with my friends and playing this at random times as, you know, we didn't really get the rules right, but whatever. It was, it was fun over time. And then the computer game started showing up. I remember, you know, having to use the family computer that was for business only to play my Battletech every now and then. And, and so I, I really have this kind of Anticipation for the license, but it, it did more or less die, as, as a lot of genres did, as the computer um, industry kind of shifted more to console-type industry. And there's arguments that it's coming back. but mm -hmm. uh, So I had an interest, but the last minute, I'm like, you know what the heck? I just heard of this event. It's not too far. I mean, it's not close, but it's not too far. I could do it if I got a last-minute invite. So I went out mm -hmm. and set an invite. I had my girlfriend send out an invite, too. And I guess because we were local enough that they... Uh, 
invited us both, so actually we both went there. And um, oh, I could yeah. have met I could have met Mrs. Chaplin or the, the <laughs> yeah rats. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, well, now let's, actually, that's a lot of serious uh, mech warrior cred, Rob. Like the, he, let me let me throw a question at you. Actually, you know what, McMaster? Let me quiz you on this, and Rob uh, can oh. be the judge for how well you do. Uh, oh God, McMaster, <laughs> what? What is the difference between Robotech, Battletech, and MechWarrior? Um, uh, the names? <laughs> I guess technically that is right, McMaster. I'm pretty sure you did pass. Uh, no one now, that wrote that book, any of those books, has ever been in my living room. Uh, I think you should have stuck with your previous answer. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just adding things to it to make sure I'm double right. Well, now, uh, you say any of those books, but my understanding, and Rob, correct me if I'm wrong about this, Battletech is the name of the license, uh, you know, and it started as a tabletop game, I yeah. think maybe with miniatures, but Mech Warrior, which you used to just call someone who drives a mech, that was the name adopted for the computer games. Is that correct? Well, again, a disclaimer, and for anyone who is, who's listening who is much more the diehard fan, I apologize if I step on anything. I, I, I'm just, I, I grew up tinkering with it, but never like truly nuts and bolts. But I believe Battletech was the original FASA uh, product that was one of those hex-based type board games. You get little cardboard pieces, and you roll mm-hmm. dice, and you had these crazy like Scantron sheets about where damage goes and that yeah. sort of thing. And like all your heat that. sinks, you would check in your heat sinks and whatnot, right? Yes, and that franchise, I believe, is also the first thing that really kind of showed up in any sort of gaming-type scenario many, many years later on. Uh, MechWarrior, I, I believe, was kind of the subtle offshoot of that early on that was more of kind of RPG-type rules that kind of really brought you focused on your Pilot. I mean, I didn't, that's I didn't really touch that part. It was more in the tactical game part of it, but I believe that's where you could kind of. I think that it was kind of their nod of trying to do more of a D and D type thing in their BattleTech game. I oh, mean, but that was tabletop as well. Yes, you essentially could ah. still play the same game, yeah. but you had much more about you know there was more story behind it, and you, you had much more involved things for your mech warrior pilot, which is the pilot of a of a mech, a BattleTech, mm-hmm. you know, big giant stompy robot thing. Uh, was the mech warrior inside? Um, uh, Battletech was a completely different franchise, a Japanese cartoon that was brought to the states that showed. You mean Robotech. 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 I'm yeah. sorry. I, I'm sorry. Right. So, uh, Robotech was a, a cartoon that was brought to the United States and uh, was adapted in many ways and had certain very iconic things that showed up in Battletech, which you know, Robotech was brought by Harmony Gold. And I think the way it worked is early on there was a license for it, but the life of Battletech and MechWarrior went so long that I think the license expired, and this created a big, big issue later on, where you have all these, um, the I think they're called the Unseen Mechs, that uh, were so iconic in the beginning that just are gone now. You mean um, Yawn Madcat, etc.? Well, actually, the Madcats... No, they still have it. Yeah, yeah. The, the Madcat, I believe, is okay, but like the, the old ones, like the uh, Marauder, I think, was the officer pod for... You know, the Marauder was the name of it in Battletech, and it had its own stats, and then it was the thing that, you know, the bad guy officers had in, in Robotech, and, um, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the artwork was... See, yeah, you know, I like... I've played Battletech a good bit, like the tabletop, but I never played uh, the MechWarrior role-playing games. Uh, so, so either. I, 
Uh, McMaster, we're all going to play when it comes out, but we need you oh, to get God. in. Wait, this is important. This is a crucial role. We need you to sit in a raven and just run the sensors and let us know if you see anything. We're going to be over here fighting. You just keep an eye on your, you know, sit in the raven. Don't move it around. Just sit there and then run your sensors and let us know if you get anything on, you know, like radar or whatever. You do not remember our still battalion match. You probably don't. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to remind you of those sad days. I, it's just important. Just sit there. Don't run around. We just need you to wait and let us know if you see anything. We're going to be fighting. Okay, McMaster, can you do that in your Raven? Sure. I'll okay. try to not hit you with any LRMs. You know, the Raven doesn't get LRMs. It's only going to have it, light. It will, by God, if I'm in it. No, no, no. We, don't, we, we need you, McMaster, we need you to use your hull allocation points for sensors. We're going to put one... What? Uh, we're going to use a pellet gun on the side of it for okay, defense. Cool. Cause that How will... many heat sinks will I need for the pellet gun? Can we just fill it up? <laughs> you, get, you get one heat sink. You have to pump it like to fire it. And it basically, McMaster, will protect you in case like there's like a, a, a bobcat or something. Like, and like an actual bobcat, not a mech. Yeah, not, not a mech, just right. like an yeah, actual mountain lion of some sort. <laughs> and not a mountain lion. If you see a mountain lion, we need you to get out of there. Anything bigger than a bobcat could be a threat to you, but something that's the size of a bobcat or smaller, like a raccoon, you could... You could drive that away with the pellet gun, but so, otherwise we need you I'm to in, just pack sensors. I'm in like a polecat class destroyer, right? That would it, be what you would call it. If, if that's, yeah, if that's what you want to call it, I'm thinking more like a, a muskrat class. Muskrat class, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I see that. So. My, my muskrat capital ship. All right, so now that all of our roles have been allocated, so Rob, <laughs> you, you showed up at this. You and uh, you and uh, the girl. What's your girlfriend's first name, by the way? Patty. You and Patty show up at this. Uh, did she know what she was in for? Like, did she know what you were dragging her to? Uh, I tried to give her an early briefing on it, and okay. uh, you know, because I, I played the little like their little videos that they've had for promotional, and and you know, um, and kind of said, so that's what I might be going to. I'm, I'll, I might end up just bolting on my own. If you were interested, you could always send out an you know a request and see what happens. And I fully expect her to go, yeah, yeah, you go have fun. But uh, surprisingly, she's just, no, that sounds like fun. Very cool. You know, started, like, quickly, like, getting the sitter plans all set up and everything. And, you know, like, when I first got the response, which I kind of, it was that afternoon of the event, I got the response email. And I I kind of already resigned myself to, okay, it's last minute. Because I even went in there a little, they had a live chat beforehand and said, you know, are all, all the invites sent out? They're like, yes, they're sent out by one of the administrators of it. So I'm like, okay, we're done. And then I got the thing, and then like moments later, she's like, "Got it, bro! I'm excited. This will be fun." And it's like, "Okay, wow." <laughs> so that's not what I expected. Patty sounds awesome. I'm I'm bummed I didn't get to meet her as well. All right, so when you and you know, by the way, or do you know that it's like a competition thing that you're going to be put on a team competing? Um, well, as you may have noticed in our gaming past, I tend to be much more. I mean, I. In, I like competitive games, but I prefer to be on the same side as my friends or do mm -hmm. it in a cooperative environment to really work together. Mm -hmm. um, so when I first, in fact, I think even my my initial request for an invite, I think I even said, you know, not even that focused on the tournament, just want to be able to, you know, get a chance to, to see the product and be kind of part of the whole gestalt as the, you know, thing comes to be. And uh, so I just kind of was like, tentative and reluctant to be part of it but I'm like what the heck this gives me hands-on guaranteed so you know how bad it can be i'll get slaughtered in eight minutes or you know i'll have a glorious eight minutes i'm not sure which will happen probably the slaughtering part but uh, but you did know you'd be on a team though right i did acknowledge in my head that's like okay i guess i'll be part of this <laughs> okay <laughs> so i was pretty because also i knew that most likely there were people that would be playing this that have had and there were, had had fair amount of experience with the actual product whereas you know i'd be sitting down in a tournament like 
not knowing, I mean, the true definition of noob, not like in the new, like, you know, internet terms of noob, but like literally like had no idea what even, I mean, they gave us a little sheet as you walked in for the controls, but you couldn't actually, theoretically you could try it on like one of their eight machines, but good luck, you know, kicking somebody out of their chair to get a chance to try it before the tournament started. <laughs> they did have uh, like sort of monitors standing there at those uh, open systems basically saying, only play for 10 minutes, but I don't think anyone... <laughs> I saw plenty of people who went past their 10 minutes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's like going to one of the big box stores where you can only you know play uh, uh, one of the consoles for like two minutes or whatever, and you see the kids have been there like all afternoon. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Now, um, so... Uh, you uh, so you're going to be on a team uh, now. You know though that it's it's like four v four games, right? Eight v eight games. Eight v eight, right, right, right. Yep. even better. Yeah, way way more ambitious. Um, also, now you're not you, do, uh, you're being thrown in with eight seven other random people, right? You don't get to set up your own team. Uh, people could, and okay. the the one well, people could. They could choose to to be on their own team. Although I kind of took the random approach. We're pretty much Whoever you were standing next to online was going or in the line was going to be your your teammates. So it was so like I've, a pickup group basically for you. More or less, you just went down the sheets. You know, team one was the first set of slots. Team two, the next eight slots, et cetera, et cetera. Until you know, we realized, oh yeah, hey, I was standing next to you in line, and yeah, okay, we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's just kind of a oh my team my team was a nice uh, <laughs> nice scattering of personalities. But that, uh, that sounds like you're you're politely saying something. You're saying something in a polite way. When you well, call it a, a nice team of person scattering of personalities. So I mean, uh, so on on the one hand, I think the team, the captain, and what I mean, there was very very uh, focused in the game. I get the feeling that they really knew what they were doing, and they were very like, "Hey, this is what this is our plan. We should you know we should work on this and this." And, and they weren't negative about it. They just you know you could tell that they were they were there for the tournament kind of thing. Uh, whereas I was kind of more there about just experience the game. Uh, there's another gentleman that was kind of more, I think, in my area of, of things. Uh, I believe his name was uh, Daryl. Very nice gentleman. In fact, Patty and I spent some time talking with him. Uh, mm-hmm. He was uh, really helpful. and Well, even the guys were really into it. They were very helpful. They kind of tried to spell out the things that, uh, unfortunately, had tragic results later. I guess I can get that to that moment. But uh, uh, they were really trying to, to help out the, the noobs and the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> You had guys that I swear to God they they went to this event preloaded like it was a rock concert or something. <laughs> I mean they were wow. <laughs> now and what they one of the things they did when they uh, gave the the quick little talk before it started was they said you know you're not going to have time to configure your mech. You're, there's going to be a few loadouts. Choose from those. Um, like it seemed like they knew they had a lot of teams to get through, so they wanted to keep things kind of snappy. Uh, so you're, you're, you've got these preset loadouts to choose from. Uh, how much planning can your team do before you guys actually sit down to play? Like, did anybody say, let's try this? You take the long-range thing, you two were the up-close, like, bruisers. Like, like, what kind of planning can you do beforehand? Well, they were all stock mechs, and, which I was happy about, because stock meaning, I don't know what, a cannon-type, uh, cannon meaning in the terms of the lore, type variants that you would see in the old game, I was happy because sometimes, and this is historically one of the things that I think the franchise has struggled with in the past, is uh, when you have something that you can take on or put on random things, it's people can min-max it really, really quick. Right, right. Um, so I was kind of happy that that wasn't going to the environment because that would have been, not only would I be new, but then I would have been new, like, facing that sort of thing. So I was happy about the stock. But as far as planning, actually the, the format that they chose 
um, seemed to kind of it made sense the plan the plan that they that the, the guys who are really into it really focuses is okay look we have we have eight minutes which you know there's there's two ways to to win the round you can either um, whoever has the most kills which team has the most kills mm-hmm. um, which it's very handy because right there on the HUD it tells you there the whole time like how many how many enemies has your team killed and how many has I mean you don't need to even go to a tab it's just it's right there on the HUD mm-hmm. um, and the other way is to cross the entire map and and take the base by you know basically um, standing in it, and, it, and it has a little timer that runs down but because they were really concerned with the excuse me with the the time frame that they kind of dropped it down to an eight minute match so that kind of made it clear okay this is going to be just a brawl so the strategy guys or the guys who were really into it or had previous experiences said look we're all going to grab assault mechs atlases because it's very forgiving, it's harder to kill, it takes longer to kill, and we're just going to ball up and let them come to us, or we're going to try to find them pretty close to us, and, and by being more resilient, would theoretically have less lost in the eight minutes. Well, there's no then provision for like how many points your team is spending on mechs, or just everybody picks whichever mech they want? That was the format. That okay. You can pretty much just wow. grab... Yeah, yeah, it, it's... Um, that doesn't make any sense, really. Yeah, traditionally in games you would have like say a weight limit for the team or something. Right, and, you know, balance, another... yeah, a certain tonnage or whatever, a certain like amount of chassis of certain types or something. You think. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to not talk about Fight Club here, um, but <laughs> even in my experience of the, of the the games that I played in that, I was very skeptical in the beginning um, about that and. Uh, some of their videos, I kind of like looked, and I'm like, really? So the lights are going to have a good recon value, and they're, you know, why wouldn't everybody just take the biggest? You know, that doesn't seem to, and and historically that seems to have been true in different games, but it did reveal itself relatively quickly that uh, there does seem to be some roles. Um, I mean, with our all Atlas team, it didn't really show, and we were all new, but um, and as a, a footnote, I, I think. Um, I think there is some something to be said about, uh, say, Mag versus my experience with MechWarrior Online at the event. Um, that there seems to be some roles to be had. For mm-hmm. example, in one of the matches that we were in, we kind of um, we we balled up and we did our thing, and of course uh, we did not all pick atlases. Um, so we had a, a <laughs> wide, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was one of those clearly a strategy that was doomed to fail at like the moment <laughs> we even uttered the words. What and, happened that not everybody picked an atlas? <laughs> well, it went okay the first round. Everyone pretty much did more or less that, and we did more or less ball up. And for as much communication as you can get with you know headphones on in a loud environment, and no right. real communication, um, we did more or less work together. Um, the second round, it was. Headless chicken time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what happened? The plan worked great first. You guys all pick an atlas. Why would that not happen for this? So you win the first round, though, by the way. Yes, yes. Okay. So our, our glorious uh, Team 9 did win uh, round one. Mm-hmm. Um, round uh, two, unfortunately, uh, and I'll even point out that the guys that were really focused on it, uh, uh, neither of them were in an atlas. Um, but I went ahead. Your team leader, Daryl, didn't he in, uh, ensure Darryl that... Was- Daryl was not the team leader, but uh, oh. but no, our team leader. You know, we kind of had the plan, but then everyone seemed to kind of go with different directions, and we had a scattering of different things. Um, you know, I, I think uh, we had everything from light up to assault. You know, light being the, the smallest, medium is next step up, heavy being next up, and assault being like the plotting bruiser, mm-hmm. which should have been the atlases that we were all running. 
Um, I was so you guys, I stuck to the plan. Right? Everybody else figures we're going to try a little variety this time. That seemed to be the idea, I guess. You know, and I can recognize that. I mean, you're supposed to kind of dabble at the event. So, you know, that's all right. Um, but in what I experienced pretty quickly was that as people branched off from the plan, um, there was also branching off from the plan. If you remember, also part of the plan was to kind of ball up and you right. know, try to figure out, because you have eight minutes. So if you get split up and it becomes, you know, s- superior fire on part of your group, you're going to lose the match because you only have eight minutes to recover. Uh, um, real quick, McMaster, does that remind you of any games of Age of Empires 3 you've played lately? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we won't. We won't speak of Age of Empires. Well, because I think I can predict exactly where this is going, Rob, is that when you have guys in smaller, faster mechs champing at the bit to play, they run ahead, they get killed, and now the other team has a has a lead on points. It's, uh, a, it's an imbalance. It's a yeah. It, you could kind of see the the group psychology shifting. So we spawn, we have our various size mechs, and we're kind of moving around a little bit. But, you know, we're impatient. We've got this new product that's so fun right in front of us, and we're right. probably most of us are similar to myself. We have you know varying degrees of interest in the, in the franchise and just want to go. And you could kind of see, like, slowly, one by one, people just start bolting in different directions. <laughs> and I was even staying right next to our lead, and I watched him dip down into the river and walk away from the entire group. And I'm like... Uh, should I follow? Because he was sitting right next to me, um, and I, he's, you know, he said, "Well, I'm going out the river." So I went ahead and followed, and a few others followed. But now we were pretty much all scattered to the wind. But a few of us went down this this riverbed and then up into this relatively small, um, I mean, pretty small enclosure with some minor buildings. Buildings kind of come up to about say hip height or so, mm-hmm. and then there was a very serious choke point behind us as we approached this gulch or whatever and then a, a choke point as the enemy also was coming in the other side mm-hmm. so i of course with the plan had my atlas in here and then their team started coming in through their side of it and it just became a very serious melee very very quickly and everyone starts bolting for our side well because now we have a wide range of classes all these smaller guys are out the door and gone as in, as in, they ran off, or they got killed. As in, they were they were already booking it down down our side of of the the choke point, and I'm trying to trudge on behind them. But of course, I'm that was slow, <laughs> so I'm trying to trudge on behind them. And and this had an advantage in that some of their faster guys went after you know squirrel, and they just kind of jumped after the <laughs> after right. the running running you know because you have lower armor in the back so they were super excited about going after the these smaller guys that were bolting um and then as i was following in behind uh i managed to get some really good shots and i i got one of the the kills as one of them was chasing but nice. then their slower guys start coming in the other side and so now they're hitting me in the back and i'm trying to just get out and all of our mediums and lights and whatnot have realized, okay, the fight's over, and they start turning around to face the enemy, and they create a great uh, line of scrimmage on our side of the choke point, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get out. So I proceed to then get annihilated, costing us our, our uh, very, very valuable kill. And uh, unfortunately, I think that ended up costing us that round. And uh, by the time it was all over, was it close at all, or did everything just sort of fall apart at this point and there was no hope? It was down to seconds. I mean, if if we just got enough concentrated firepower to finish off one of theirs, it would have it would have 
brought it back to either a tie or a possible win. I mean, it was literally down to seconds, but but it just because they were lighter, there wasn't you know, the time to kill was much lower. So, or, right. I'm sorry, much higher uh, to actually knock something out, and then the timer at that point was kind of against us. And uh, who beat you, by the way? Do you know this wasn't Team Thirteen, was it? Uh, no, it wasn't one of the the super teams. I believe thirteen and two and one, I think, were kind of like the prearranged, really into it um, uh, folks. Because that's what I noticed is that there were teams of guys who knew each other and who talked about it beforehand, and it was obvious one of those guys was probably going to run away with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I figured at best we would get to maybe a semifinal round, and I think we we got kind of close, but you know, it was what it was, you know. Uh, Rob, who on your team, and you, by the way, are eligible for this, gets MVP? Uh, well, me. I think that, in fact, I think it was the guy who came super preloaded <laughs> in the first match. Somehow he just went nuts and he got a bunch of kills the first match. Mm-hmm. So, um, props to him. I, I don't know his name, but uh, he did very well that first round. All right. Congratulations, uh, unnamed MVP. Your your trophy will be in the mail. Um, How now, about Rob, uh, worst valuable player? Yeah, okay. Least valuable player or uh, and most improved player. Would you give either of those to yourself? I would give myself that one <laughs> as I did a very, very uh, foolish foolish noob thing to do uh, one of the things they were really explaining and this is one of the things that even the, the gentleman running the event was trying to explain is it's very important to get your weapon group set up and they kind of explained it to me and that's the one thing i really wanted to sit down on the test computers and play around with because it's not too clear about you know move your your graph to this horizontal bar and push your control here and here <laughs> and as i was you're basically firing groups right like you're pressing the right and left click to fire different group collections of weapons is that right yeah, you're more or less using these arrow keys as a D-pad, more or less, to move up and down this this graph, and then adding or subtracting groups, which now I kind of understand how it worked, but I kind of thought that part of this was, okay, now that I'm done, I want to select my group. Uh, well, when I selected my group, I proceeded to alpha strike the back of our team leader. Oh, is there yeah. friendly fire? Sure is. <laughs> no. Oh my God. Oh, Rob, we might have to kick you off the team for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I. I. I even. I even shrugged and looked his direction, and he. He seemed to send a friendly smile, but I'm sure he had very, very negative things to think about me at that point. <laughs> mm, yeah, that might be some time in the penalty box there, Rob. <laughs> You're not I, supposed. I, do not. I. If there's one thing I know about uh, MechWarrior games, do not alpha strike your buddies. Yeah, I, I was very glad we won round one because if we lost, I, I, I would have felt like I really contributed to that loss. Uh, McMaster, by the way, we give you the Team Spirit Award. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so, Rob, how did the game? Uh, how did the game feel? Like, explain to us, like, uh, uh, just from a gameplay perspective. You're in the big mechs. Uh, obviously, it's slow. It does seem like it's a lot about. Uh, making sure you're positioned with a team. Like, if it's just, like, one, two mechs, like, standing toe-to-toe, slugging it out with each other, that's not necessarily what makes the game interesting. It's the composition of the teams, right, and the positioning. Yes. So, um, as the franchise has gone through its different iterations over the years, um, I think one of the most recent ones was the MechWarrior franchise that was released on Xbox. Uh, And it was Mech Assault, I think is what it was called. Mm Mm-hmm. And that took it in a much different direction, which is a much more fast, almost shooter-paced type thing. And I, I think that didn't quite hold the interest of the crowd that they're going for. 
And uh, even recently, I think there's been a lot of talk about a uh, a game coming up. I think called Hawken that yep. uh, that looks very very kinetic based. Very, I mean, it, it looks like it's got the graphics of mechs, but it does not. I mean, maybe it looks, moves more like an anime type thing. Right. Um, whereas Mech Warrior, and to my enjoyment, uh, has a very very uh, plotting type um, tactical paced the game, where it is uh, apparently I'm the Call of Duty guy, so I shouldn't like this, but it is <laughs> a directly opposite to the Call of Duty type gameplay. It's, it's, uh, you, it's from what I experienced, it, it's, it seems like it could lead itself into more like the uh, a chess type aspect where, where you're going to really have to uh, decide which roles are going to be where with what kind of speed, because that's really going to matter, and mm-hmm. it and the pacing will be both forgiving and not forgiving. And very, uh, how, how important do you feel the heat management stuff is? Did they get that right? Because, of course, it's a hugely important part of that Battletech universe. Uh, how well do you think that works in MechWarrior Online? Uh, well, I mean, okay, so I'll put it in this terms. Um, Patty, who was there, was watching these and, and really didn't know much about the franchise. She, afterwards, she's like, oh, that like this game is very very strategic on how you manage your heat. I mean, she picked this up right away because it's absolutely very very it's it's imperative that you know what to fire when and not to do too much because if you do as in the other games you shut down and then you're a sitting duck, and it's it's very easy for them to because um, it's like um, the the tabletop it has hit locations which have different amounts of armor and whatnot. It's not like other games where you just have a life bar or whatever. So if you shut down, then somebody else can now overheat to really target a particular spot because you're no longer moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's that really adds to not only you know the, the pacing of it with the different classes and, and different types of weapons and how they interact, but, uh, yeah, the heat management is is big. One of the uh, real enthusiastic fans who was there, who I talked to, uh, was particularly disappointed that in that build they didn't have uh, fl- flamers. Is that what you call flamethrowers? They're, they're flamers, right? Uh, yes, the flamers are the one, the weapon that more or less does no damage, but it adds heat, heat. to. Yeah, it adds heat. So essentially, you're going to kind of mess with the. Uh, it's sort of like a. Uh, I know you guys have been talking about magic recently. It's sort of like the control deck, the blue deck or something. It's like they've got their plan, and you're going to mess with that plan by, you know, say they know, okay, I can fire this, this, and that, whatever, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to take me to this heat. Well, by the way, here you go, and it's going to cause them to overheat. Yeah, it just locks down, like uh, you can mez or lock down another mech, basically, uh, mm-hmm. by just training flamers on it. Yeah, But that wasn't in this build, but if that is something that I believe is in the, the full game. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that from... from the, the tabletop game, yeah, yeah. that was it's definitely uh, one of the. Now, uh, early on, when the when the fellow was introducing the the subject, and I think I, I wish I could remember his name. He's one of the founders of uh, Piranha, is the developer? Is that right, Rob? Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe so. Uh, he mistakenly announced, and I thought this was awesome. <laughs> yeah. When he's addressing the crowd, he mis- mistakenly did one of those. You get a free car. You get a free car. You get a free car by saying. Uh, and everybody here tonight gets the legendary pack, which is some really big, uh, basically buy-in, and you get all kinds of free space bucks to spend on your stuff. He mistakenly announced that everybody there got that. 
to a great cheer and a great enthusiasm, uh, only to immediately be corrected by the PR folks uh, and to have to say, oh, what I meant was only the winning team gets the, is it the Founders Pack or Legendary Pack or something like that? Uh, uh, I believe, yeah, the winners, I think, got the Legendary, but oh, yeah, that was that was an interesting moment. Um, uh, as, as I was sitting there, you know, I was just there to kind of see the thing, and then he made that announcement, and I kind of stop, and I turn, and I'm like, well, that would be way worth coming here for. <laughs> and <Sight>. then <laughs> I guess if you wanted to try to figure out who I was, right right in that dead calm of, like, disappointment right after he, like, oh, wait, actually, I was the one going, wah, 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 in the corner of the room. Cause it just seemed Very like, appropriate sound effect, yeah. Oh, yeah, it just seemed like such a... Uh, I wonder if they talked about that in private afterwards. It's a great way to get the crowd to turn on you. Uh, <laughs> but everybody got a T-shirt, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. the, so the winning team, which was Team 13, in fact, I was I was sitting talking to the guy who ended up being on Team 13, uh, their, their sort of uh, group leader or whatever he was, team captain. Uh, the moment the guy announced that, he said something like, I already bought the legendary pack. Like, that's how invested he was already in wow. the game. Yeah. <laughs> well... Uh, and I knew going into it that the, the event was going to make or break it. I was either going to be all out or all in. So, Ah, well, can you say, are you now all out or all in for MechWarrior Online? I think it would be fair to say that uh, the next morning I was deeply missing the event, and I am now at the top tier of their Kickstarter slash founder program. Ah, con- what do you mean? Congratulations. Very nice. <laughs> okay. So, that sounds all in to me. Now, um, what is the current situation with like the beta, the release date? It's a free-to-play game, right? So mm-hmm. they've got, uh, I presume you can like jump in and sample it. Uh, what do we know about when mere mortals like me and McMaster can play this? Mere mortals. <laughs> um, I believe the Rob, structure... Rob, hold on, Rob. Just so you know, me and McMaster weren't invited to compete in a professional tournament of Mech Warriors. Just so you yeah. know, we're, we're the two people on this podcast who were not part of that. So, I think my sole credentials was the fact that I offered within hours of the event and said that I was local. <laughs> you so. still, you still got us beat, and you still came closer to winning that tournament than McMaster and I did. So. That's don't don't play yourself down. You did a great thing. So, but when can guys of those of us who didn't get to play in this tournament, when can we get a little Mech Warrior online? So that overall is unknown, as far as I know. Um, there, as I understand it, the way it's it's laid out is, or okay, so let's step back a moment. The way it was laid out was the planned founders introduction date to. I think this is all public. The Founders introduction date was August 7th, so that anybody who was part of the Founders program would be then introduced to the closed beta, closed beta on August 7th, and then it would go for some undetermined amount of time afterwards, and then eventually there were, I think there would be planned like a larger acceptance to the closed beta, and then eventually it would be open beta, and, and who knows when it becomes the full-fledged uh, free-to-play at that point. I mean, I don't know their, their target, but that's the way it more or less Worked. They did bump that up recently so that anybody who is part of the founder program is basically granted immediate access. They don't have to wait for the seventh. So that's that's one, and it's all automatic. So you know, if you're interested or you think you're interested in that, that's one way to, to get it a very quick uh, jump into it. Mm-hmm. And they 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 did say that that's going to be going away at some point. I don't know when. I don't know if it's going to be the seventh or later on. But they have kind of said, you know, this is you know this is for those who are the you know the the enthusiastic early adopters, I guess. So. And uh, how complete did this build feel? Like, I was surprised just watching. Uh, there was, it seemed like t- 
technically speaking, they were kind of preparing us for there maybe being some issues, and I was like, oh, it's probably going to crash, and how are we going to get through all these teams? It seemed like it went pretty smooth, but I didn't spend any actual time playing. Uh, as a guy who had hands-on time, how how complete or how polished did it feel to you? Uh, for hands-on time at the event, I, I had the same kind of like, oh, when they were kind of talking about things about, you know, make sure to have your hands off the keyboard, you know, we, we're going to launch it in certain ways, and it's not designed to do it this way, but, you know, and, you know, if it crashes, then, you know, whatever, but I did not, it's, it seemed pretty, to me, if they hadn't said that, I wouldn't have known it was even a concern. I mean, we didn't really have any issues to it, it, it played very uh, fluid. Uh, it, in fact, it made me start wondering, like, oh, can my computer handle this? <laughs> but uh, it is a nice-looking use of the. It's the Crisis Three engine, isn't it? Or it's I, like some advanced Crisis engine running there. Yeah, I believe it is the Crisis Three, and it it they had a, a really large screen up front, so I more or less got to do a super magnifying glass view of it as, as we were kind of mulling around and standing right up next to the screen. And I was, um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, everyone has their own attitude about different kinds of games and what looks good or bad or what seems high-tech or what not, but uh, the environment seemed very, very um, good, very appealing, very enjoyable. Um, uh, it kind of reminded me of, uh, which is not as nice of a looking game, but uh, when I played a game with uh, Mr. Mary Prankster, uh, we were playing Monster Hunter. Uh, one of the statements he made as we had looked at those vistas on the, the, the poor, ill-fated game that was brought for whatever reason to the Wii uh, had fantastic art design, and you really got some amazing views of the landscape and whatnot. And I kind of had that feeling as I was looking at, you know, on the snow map, seeing you know, the frost kind of wisp off the buildings and, and seeing the textures of the snow and uh, and whatnot. And it, it really... it It seemed pretty far along to me uh, from my experience of it there. It definitely made me understand why NVIDIA would want to host this event. I mean, it seems like a graphics showcase, and it's really they're putting a lot of work into making it look pretty. Uh, and NVIDIA is happy to use it to show off their hardware, I think. Yeah, yeah. which is why I was like, oh, I wonder if I don't have, like, the super latest, greatest tech. Will, will it look like this, or will it look like, you know, my, <laughs> my original Battletech game? Uh, now, here's something, though, and I'm curious if this bothered you at all, Rob. Um I am at a point in my video gaming career slash expectation level where I see a game like MechWarrior Online, and I also want to see a lot of environmental destruction. I want to see trees getting knocked over. I want forest fires. I want buildings to shatter. Um, that's absolutely not going to happen in this game. And that kind of bothers me, and that was maybe just as a spectator. Maybe in the game I wouldn't mind so much. But uh, is that an issue for you? Um, at the event, I was surprised that, say, when you walked over the trees, the trees didn't, um, yeah. turn over. Um, that, that was kind of surprising for such an advanced, um, engine. Mm -hmm. Um, the first rule of Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So basically you cannot speak to that issue as much as you would like to. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, very good. We'll, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, and finally, did you get a look at, uh, they were showing their turn-based game, MechWarrior Tactics, although I'm not sure if, uh, I, I say, I'm not sure if non-press folks were allowed to see it. Uh, do you, did you get back there? I did. I was actually okay, I was surprised because there was so little comment about it, and I, I guess it's because that was the press area. Um, but I kind of wandered around at one point, and I saw that they were playing this other thing, which... 
looked to me like Battletech the board game played in, in asynchronous uh, format right. where they were pushing turns back and forth, it looked like. And it was it was this you know hex base, and you had your heat management. It looks like you selected your weapons. and I was, it, That's one of the things I carried away from the event is, okay, that's something to watch. So, okay, yeah. a couple of things about that. Uh, this asynchronous play is not your standard taking turns thing. It's not like Hero Academy where I go and then you go and then I go and then you go. They're doing this cool, uh, I think, of combat mission, that great World War II game where everybody puts in their orders and then there's an execution phase. Uh, that's the way that this works, and I really dig that about it. Uh, and that I see the layout of the board. There, by the way, is no fog of war at this point. Uh, I see where everything is, and I give it my orders, trying to anticipate what the other guy is going to do as well. Uh, and then we both, once we've submitted our turns, and because it's asynchronous, you can come, you know, you can give your orders and then come back the next day or whatever. When you then come back and the other guy has given his orders, it gives you this really cool cinematic display of everything that's happened. You know, the mechs tromping around and using their jump jets and firing missiles and the lasers going off. Uh, it's this great little, like a battle cut scene where it renders graphically everybody's orders. Uh, so that's one of the things I really like. It's not your twos are just standing there, and then I march my guy up, and I shoot, and then we you do the same thing. So I like that approach. Yeah, um, it was a very, very aesthetically pleasing. I mean, it looked like, you know, what you could only dream about if you went hog wild with the, the tabletop thing. It, you know, it kind of reminded me of some of those turn-based games that kind of showed up that were very... Um, very graphically based, where you basically hit end turn and then you watch this great cinematic that right. kind of resolved the combat. You know, it, well, yeah. and even even in a turn based, like even in a tabletop game, you simply can't do that. Where, well, I guess you could. Well, where you give orders and you don't know what the other guy is going to do. I mean, that's like this cool unknown thing that unfolds in real time that you can't really manage. Uh, you know, there's a lot of unpredictability there, and I think anybody who's played Combat Mission knows what that can bring to gameplay. Um, now, now, one of my reservations about it, Rob, is because they're free to play, they're going on this model of selling booster packs, where you're basically opening a pack of cards, and two of them are going to be rare, and the other ones are commons, and these are the components that you slot in your mechs, you know, pilots are cards as well, uh, and you can, you know, there are rarer versions of upgraded pilots, there's no, like, you don't earn experience, but you can get better bits of equipment and better pilots by buying booster packs, uh, that just that's a little bit too much business model in my gameplay design. Um, oh, yeah, you just crushed my expectations there. That <laughs> that hurt a lot to hear. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know what? Free to play. What are they going to do? You, you um, don't gain experience or anything. Like, nope. Uh, you do not. Uh, it's just straight up deathmatch. You don't gain anything from playing it. Oh, I mean, do from, you get points or no, do you get? Yeah. So from playing it, you earn what's called scrap, and that's okay. the monetary, you know, that's their unit of money, and that's what you okay. do to buy booster packs as well. You know, they are, to their credit, they're doing more of a League of Legends model where if you just want to grind away and play for free and earn scrap that way, you can buy booster packs. Okay. But okay. what they're hoping people will do is, you know, put in a little money to more immediately get a reward. This, uh, this sounds like, um, and probably the the biggest Achilles heel to it. This sounds a lot like Mass Effect multiplayer. You know, when that's exactly what, when I sat down and the guy was like, how much Mech Warrior do you know? And I was like, I know a little bit. And he was like, have you played Mass Effect 3? Like, those were the two data points he wanted to know about in terms of where to start from in terms of explaining the product. So, yeah, uh, I think you're absolutely right, Rob, for better or worse. Yeah. 
Here's uh, something, though, that I did like. So, McMaster, you're asking, you know, can you earn experience? You know, that idea of persistence is a big thing to me in, in, in a lot of games, and that can add a lot to games. So what happens with MechWarrior Tactics is you've bought your cards, you've kitted out your different chassis with equipment, and then you've got your, your mechs. When I start a game with you, McMaster, we start a game. I've got my, I think it's like four to a side. I forget exactly how that works. But I put my mechs in the match with you, and now we're playing a game. So if I then want to play a game with Rob, I can't use those four mechs that I've put in our game. They're huh. already dedicated. It's not Gosh. like, you know, they exist only there. And if they die, I think I've lost them. I'm not sure about that. You know what? I, I don't think that's the case because that, that seems like it would be too punitive, yeah. assuming you repair them. But the point being, I don't just have one core group, and those are the same guys I'm always playing with. Once I allocate a mech and all of its parts, all of those cards, that's the language they're using, to a match, they're out of circulation until that match is over. So I kind of like how... That would encourage me to maybe have a nice spread of different mechs and to not just put all my best mechs in one game. Um, okay, let me ask you this then: that you're just talking about the tactical version of it. What? How does MechWarrior Online's work? So no, no, that yeah, that is strictly MechWarrior Tactics. That's okay. A, okay, okay. I, I got really confused. I was like, what the hell? That doesn't sound. Yeah. Good. So MechWarrior Online is the action game that Rob played the tournament in, and MechWarrior Tactics is the turn-based game where just at the last minute they told these guys, hey, we're having this MechWarrior Online event, throw together a build that you can show people at this event. So this was just a little side, there were three computers set up, and and one of the producers was there talking about it. Yeah, Uh, And I don't think there is a release date for that. Like right now, their press is focused on MechWarrior Online. They were just sort of letting a little trickle of information out about MechWarrior Tactics. That'll be released afterwards. Um, So... All right, so Rob, what did you come away with? You didn't get the winners got some awesome video cards. The guys who mm-hmm. placed got uh, good video cards, not the super awesome ones. Rob, what did you win at the MechWarrior Online tournament? I uh, what did I win? <laughs> I got to win the rebirth of a very missed genre that I thought was dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, I, I I walked up to some of the gentlemen as I, I walked out, and I. And I was saying, you know, not only thank you for hosting the event and thanks for having me here, but also thank you for bringing it back because it seems like there were some really enjoyable um, genres that have just they they didn't survive the modern economic model, and it seemed like mech games are one of them, and it's very nice to see something back. So, I mean, other than that, I got a nice T-shirt. <laughs> Good. I, I think. Go ahead, McMaster. Sorry. Oh yeah. And uh, have you ever tried like the BattleTech pods or anything like that? Uh, it's something that I I would have been in, I think I would have been interested in, but they really it's like I think Chicago and then I think I mean they're they're pretty spread out throughout the country, so I didn't really yeah. get a chance to experience it. Um, but it, I it's guess. always something I would have wanted to do. I live so close to like Gen Con and Origins that I can just go to them, and they usually have something like that there. So they're pretty cool. I was just wondering if it was like anything similar. Uh, McMaster, if, if we're in your neck of the woods, like all of us, let's go to do those MechWarrior pods. However, I'm going to need you to stand out here while we play it, and I need you to hold my my laptop bag. So, well, oh, your purse? Is that what you need? It's not a purse. It's not a purse. My laptop is, is in there. I like people to think of it like the satchel that Indiana Jones wears. Just because it's got that long strap, I don't want you to call it a purse. That's uncool. Yeah, well, sure it is. Uh, well, uh, what's, what's funny about those pods is uh, the guy that, that runs them, uh, I did an interview with him a while back, and he had always offered for us to come up and 
see like a whole setup because they have like these conventions every great once in a while where they have like a big party and like everybody brings pods, so it's like these eighteen pod games and stuff like that. It's really weird, uh, but it's uh it's quite an experience. So yeah, if you ever want to go get crazy in the woods of some I don't even remember where the hell it is. Uh, I'd have to find out uh, in a fake BattleTech pod. Then let me know. Well, you know what? Those will be redundant soon enough because we got MechWarrior Online now. That's true, but you don't get to do it in the woods in a pod with a bunch of strangers drinking. <laughs> well, and I think kinetically it would be a different experience, too. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> uh, all right, so was that, I, I lost track. Was that news or game of the week for you, Rob? For me, that was uh, news because. News of, of the week. There would be other things to say, and someday maybe there would be time to, to really address it as a game of the week, but um, that was right. the news event that I attended. Good. Well, let's. Uh, we've got other news that happened this week. McMaster, what's news for you this week? Oh, there's all sorts of news, but uh, really <laughs> the thing that I'm most interested in at the moment is uh, the Oculus uh, virtual, the Oculus Rift, the virtual reality. You know, McMaster, you and your you love this vapor hardware stuff, don't you? <laughs> Uh, I thought of two. Well, you know, okay, this one's got John Carmack on board. I mean, and Gabe Newell. Okay. I mean, now, and Cliff Blazinski. I mean, they're working on, like, an interface for uh, Unity and uh, the Unreal uh, dev kit, so. Well, explain what it is uh, before I rudely jumped in. So what is what is an Oculus? Sounds like one of the Transformers. Well, well okay, uh, something... <laughs> Uh, this thing, not specifically this thing, but this whole concept started kind of picking up again recently, which is the whole virtual reality goggles. And the reason it started picking up again, I believe, is that John Carmack has become obsessed with them, and he keeps ordering hardware and taking it apart and rebuilding it to make better and better virtual reality goggles. And he's written a version of Doom 3 called the BFG Edition that works specifically with virtual reality goggles. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so he's been pushing for it for a while. So a Kickstarter has uh, come up from this company. Uh, then I guess they sent out hardware to a bunch of people that uh, it seems like they approve of, including Carmack. Uh, that is uh, just kind of a development kit for virtual reality and uh, like 3D VR stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, will this work better than, say, the Connect? Uh, who knows? I mean, I hope so. I mean, because it's really not as involved as the the Connect overall, and it's its own right. Uh, all right, and finally, is Oculus a Decepticon or an Autobot? I believe it's a Deceptibot. <laughs> Very good. Uh, all right, so my brief news of the week, and mine is terrible. This isn't really a news story. It's not relevant very far outside of the Tom Chick household. But in the Tom Chick household, this was hugely relevant news. Um, McMaster's sending me these like uh, fancy screenshots of saying, hey, look how awesome Fallout New uh, Vegas is with this mod. And I'm like, okay, fine, it looks fine. I haven't seen Fallout New Vegas in forever because when I tried to play that game, when it came out, I had some horrible issues with bugs. It eventually got to the point where any time I got into combat, my Xbox 360 would just lock up hard. They released various patches. Like the game was dead to me. I had to I had to review it. And my my review was basically this would be an awesome game if I could get it to work, but I can't. So screw you. Uh, like I, I had a I just had a terrible problem getting that game to work on the 360. So my news of the week is I just got a wild hair and I booted it up again just to see what happened. And yeah, sure enough, there's another patch. Whoop de doo, big deal. <laughs> I booted up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get into a battle. It's going to lock up. So I just ran and started shooting at someone, and it didn't lock up. So I'm like, okay, well, let me just test it a little bit more. 
went and I fought somebody else, like shooting at a rat or something like that. Still didn't lock up. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe it'll take, it'll be like a third battle, because it's happened before where I fight a few times and later it locks up. So I, big news for me is that I got to play like three hours of Fallout New Vegas without it once locking up or breaking or me hitting some scripting error. Um, so my news is that, hey, I think I'm going back in and maybe finishing Fallout New Vegas. Oh, hey, well, that's, that's good news, and hopefully it will be worth the anticipation slash frustration once you finally get to enjoy it. I still say you should play it on the PC, though. Uh, yeah, you know, well, here part of what's going on, too, is I've made so much progress. Like, I've, This is a guy, this is a character that I've, I've spent like 30 hours advancing the character and maybe another 10 hours troubleshooting and whatnot. So I'm, I'm like partway through the story, but when I was jumping in playing, I didn't remember anything. Yeah. Like, like who are these Elvis dudes, and why is everyone talking about Caesar, and what does NCR mean? Like, all of oh, that. You know NCR. Come on. Come right, on. But, you got more cred than that. Right, right. But basically, like, I, all of the groundwork they laid in the storytelling was lost to me because I hadn't well, played right. in so long. And just going back, reading the little log thing. So part of me was like, well, maybe I should just start over, in which case... I could have done that way back when, when I was having issues, and and also in which case, well, maybe I should just jump back into Skyrim instead. Um, so I got into a little bit of like decision paralysis, uh, but yeah, it works. So I could theoretically uh, finally finish up New Vegas. Rob, did you play through New Vegas? Is that is that the kind of thing you'd be into? Um, I unfortunately missed both the uh, Fallout oh. games. I, I know, but it's because. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I have felt burned on um, on a lot of the, the, I don't know what, the Oblivion-type gameplay where it feels like they have great worlds but not as much game. Basically, you, do you mean like Bethesda open-world games or just open-world yes. games in general? Okay. Yeah, Bethesda specifically because it seems oh. like they almost dare you to break their games because they, they just wanted to create the world. You know, the thing with I think that like completely sets it apart for me when it comes to Fallout is Vats and the setting. I mean, the setting's really rad, but Vats is just uh, it's worth the. You know what, McMaster? Right? I think you might have sealed the deal for me because that is hugely yeah. gratifying mm-hmm. to to be able to just pause the battle and rather than all that silly whacking around in yep. in Oblivion and in Skyrim. I mean, as beautiful as those worlds are, the combat is just so terrible. And Vats, which is their sort of quasi turn based system in Fallout Three and New Vegas. Uh, is a great workaround for that. Is you just get these awesome freeze frames of a dude shooting a flamethrower at a mutant dog, or you know, or, or, or headshotting a, a bandit in a road warrior outfit, like that. Like, and also the guys did such great work capturing the original games. Like, look, it's aesthetic and it's feel that it just, uh, I don't know, it's something almost magical feeling about those games to me in a way. Well, it definitely works better. The, the universe fits better with this this model of like having to scrounge through, uh, oh, yeah. through through the world, like looking for things to pick up. I always feel weird in Skyrim, like going through all of these people's chests and whatnot, and looking through all their junk. Like like scavenging, which is a huge RPG activity, just fits so well with the Fallout universe oh, in a way yeah. that it doesn't really with Skyrim. Uh, and also like. Uh, they the Fallout games are pretty well written. Uh, I mean, for for Bethesda products, I mean they have so many great uh, like signature quests that are just really worth it. You know what, Master? So I want to I, 
want to jump in and kind of just, I mean, I agree with you, but I think it's important to point out, though, that New Vegas isn't Bethesda. It's Obsidian. And and Obsidian, you know, for all the problems those guys have had really putting polish on their games, they do some pretty cool stories, I think. Like, I really, really liked the the basic story in Alpha Protocol and the way that it could unfold different ways. Certainly, their Knights of the Old Republic game had a lot of cool stuff, even for its problems. So, yeah, I just want to make sure they get props as the guys who did New Vegas. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I just uh, they. I'm just saying. You know, they use mostly Bethesda. Well, it's the Bethesda know. universe. To be fair, it's definitely right. like that that Fallout universe from Bethesda. Yeah. So. Wow. All right, so McMaster, let's do some games of the week, and why don't you kick us off? What have you chosen for game of the week in what is this? July thirty thirtieth. No, something like that. What is your choice? For Game of the Week, I may surprise you. I think my Game of the Week... I know what it's going to be. Oh, yeah, what is it? Orcs, Orcs Must Die 2. Nope. No, I can't uh-huh. Well, in that, case, in that case, you're obviously just going to do Age of Empires 3 again. Oh, no. No, no, no. Close. Well, I, I know you're not doing Summoner Wars, so yeah, what do you got then? What's what's left? Uh, dead, uh, Walking Dead. That's, that's a TV dead. show, first of all. The Telltale game, Walking Dead. Interesting. All right, that's like an adventure game where like you have to slide the piece of paper under the door with the mayonnaise on it and then push the key through and then pull the piece of paper out and use the key. Is that what's going on? Yeah, I mean, actually, really, the puzzles are pretty basic. What, what the game has most is uh, it's all kind of personal interaction. There's quite a bit of it. Dialogue uh, trees? Yeah. And you only get, you know, one shot at a lot of things, and you, you have many choices you have to make between saving different characters and how much you tell people about your backstory and how much they know about, you know, you and how much you know about them and what you've told everyone kind of plays back to, you know, you start off in kind of a bad situation, and do you tell people the truth and hope they're cool with you, or do you lie to them and have to try to remember Everything you've told them, you know, it's like it's kind of an interesting uh, situation that arises. And are the characters characters from the show? Uh, there was one or two. Um, there's Glenn shows up at one point. Glenn, yeah. What about Daryl? I want. To, I'm not going to play unless I can either beat Daryl or he can be my sidekick. Is Lily in the show? Isn't she one of the uh, sisters? Or no, I'm taking somebody else. Okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, he shows up. But uh, it, it's kind of a, it's in the same area in uh, around Atlanta. Uh, it takes Some part of it takes place in uh, Macon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's a lot better than I, I expected. I, I really, you know, I've always liked adventure games. I've just kind of gotten out of the whole point-and-click thing. And uh, I, I was really surprised. It's, it's pretty well written and voice acted. And... Uh, and it stays pretty uh, pretty true to the, the feeling of the comic in the show. Uh, do you ever have to make a mustache out of cat fur for yourself? No, no. no. <laughs> okay. No, unfortunately, no. Yeah, no, there's not a whole lot of, like, super crazy in it. I mean, but there's a, there's a lot of dialogue and a bunch of choices. Like, you, you have to choose between saving people quite a bit. And you know, feeding people, stuff like that. Who gets to eat? Who doesn't? Et cetera, et cetera. So, I kind of. 
you know, it, it sounds like like one of the uh, like one of the great things about zombie apocalypses is making those tough decisions and character interaction. And, and too many people just think zombie apocalypses are about slaughtering zombies, Dead Rising style. Uh, so it sounds like this is a game that kind of gets that right. Right. Yeah. It it really does. And that's the thing about it, is like some people have complained that it's like. You know, it's it's not as much of an adventure game because there's not as much of making a mustache out of cat fur or whatever to fake somebody out. I mean, there are little puzzles and stuff. It's not it's not super advanced and it's not or not super like clicky. You don't have to wander around trying to figure out what to do with a key and a mayonnaise jar and you know a length of rope. Um, but uh, it, it's all puzzles based on how to avoid getting killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and it's episodic, if I'm not mistaken. Are, yes. are there uh, are all the episodes out, or is it something where you're we're having to wait for this to get finished up? Uh, still waiting. So they're on episode two now. Episode three is supposed to come out this month. Um, I will say the first couple have been pretty cool. Uh, really liked it. Uh, I picked it up during the Steam sale because it was on one of those flash sales for like fifteen bucks. But I think it's uh, regularly twenty or thirty. Um, I think it's thirty, uh, and uh, it's uh, so far I really like it. It's it's pretty neat. Cool, McMaster. I think this is the first time we've ever picked an adventure game for Game of the Week. <laughs> well, there are not a lot of adventure games out there. <laughs> I mean, I guess I could go Incredible Journey or you know whatever. Uh, no, McMaster, we need you to play uh, King's Quest One. There you go. Nope. <laughs> okay, how about what's that? What's that science fiction? A uh, space quest. How about a little space quest? Okay, I could play some space quest. I oh, you know, no, wait. that. Sorry, I need you to play police quest. That's the one I meant. Oh, yeah. I actually played the first few police quests. I played almost every adventure game from that time period. Actually, I was uh, totally into them. It's more of a Lucas uh, film. Uh, fan. No, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be doing full throttle. Uh, I need you oh. to do. No, I need you to do those Roberta, Roberta Williams ones, especially. Oh, I need no. you, McMaster, do the one Bullshit. where she's not. No, <laughs> you have to do the one where she's in a hot tub. I need you to play that. Sex one. Adventure or whatever it was called. That stu- Oh my God, no, never. McMaster, come on, McMaster, take one for the team. Rob is gonna no. play. Rob's gonna play Day of the Tentacle. I'm gonna play full throttle. What? We need you yeah. to do a hot tub game. Okay, I get Monkey Island. I claim the Monkey Island series. Those, those are mine. So it is kind of cool, though, that you can get a lot of those on the iPhone. But you're, you're playing you're playing the uh, Walking Dead stuff on the PC, right? Right. Yeah. Actually, the uh, Walking Dead episode one, I think, just came out for the iPad. Oh. So fingers uh, perk up. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I know it's out for iPad too. They're pro- they'll probably do an update to you know the new iPad uh, resolution, uh, but like. Uh, it just came out, and they're going to do the episodes via in-app purchase. So if you don't like it, you know you can try one out and then mm-hmm. decide. Um, but it's a, uh, it's really cool. Um, it's a, uh, it's, it was surprising. It's not what I expected. Okay. Since falling. Now, Rob, as a con, as a Call of Duty kitty, uh, when is the <laughs> last time you played an adventure game? An adventure type game? Oh, probably quite a long time ago. I remember playing a scattering of them back in you know Apple II type days. But, oh, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. And then there was there was a few that you know uh, Lucas Arts. Yeah, I like the Full Throttle and whatnot. Yeah. I remember. But I think that too was kind of a genre that more or less disappeared. And I think it's yeah. it's being revitalized now with you know the iOS type stuff or even the indie type stuff. It seems like it's coming back. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, you know, I mean, Tim Schafer, of course, God, thank God, you know, he did some of the best 
like adventure games ever. I mean, what was the? Oh god, it's one of my favorites. What's the name of it? The skeleton one. Skeleton one. Oh, yeah, uh, Mr. Bones. Man. No, Manny. Uh, uh, you play Manny. Uh, Grim Fandango. Grim, Grim Fandango. Skeleton yeah, yeah. one. McMaster. You've just. Well, you they're just, all skeletons. No, McMaster. You you just defenestrated uh, simultaneously all of your adventure game cred, uh, Tim Schafer cred, and uh, and uh, what else? Gothic horror comedy cred. Although I don't know what genre you would call that. Uh, That's like, not gothic horror. What the hell? I know uh, it is. You know, it's more. It's like it's like Day of the Dead. It's like uh, like yeah, South American the, festival. Day of the Thank you. Okay, you, you got half of your cred back, McMaster. <laughs> By translating the sentence you just said. <laughs> I even just like uh, I even just played that game. I think last year. Grim Fandango. Uh, yeah, I had uh, one of those old CD-ROM packs that came out from LucasArts. It still had Grim Fandango and uh, Full Throttle on it. I have to say, I think as far as like gameplay value, I don't really have any desire to play those old games, but as far as nostalgia value goes, if there was like a Grim Fandango available on like good old games or, or on the iPad, I'm pretty sure I would jump into that. You know what they should do is they should have somebody do a Grim Fandango playthrough and just record it and sell that. Because <laughs> just <laughs> watching a Grim Fandango playthrough would be pretty awesome. McMaster, can you get on that for us? Instead, yeah, I'll, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna let you off the hook. The, the Tim phone, and we'll see what happens. I'm gonna let you off the hook for the Roberta Williams thing if you'll do that. Oh, thank God. <laughs> He's like, I'm sold. <laughs> I, nothing personal against... I guess there's a lot personal against Roberta Williams. God, I never could handle uh, her games. I never liked King's Quest that much. I never... I don't know. It's just... Ugh. All right. You, if you don't want to do the hot tub game... Uh. Oh, God. Oh. All right, so your game of the week is an adventure game. A first... Yeah. Uh, you know what? Is, isn't Waking Mars... Wouldn't you say that's an adventure game? It's an iPhone game that I I know I've picked. It kind of reminds me of... Uh, I don't know. It reminds me of that other Lucas game. You know what? Yeah, well, it's more Castlevania, Metroid kind of... Yeah, yeah. Maybe so, yeah, The Dig is more of something like Steven Spielberg wrote on a napkin and then... <laughs> somebody, somebody found it. It's like Steven Spielberg came up with a game. So yeah. Uh, all right. So a little Walking Dead for a game of the week. Um, how about I go next, and we'll save you for last, Rob. Fair enough. All right. My game of the week, uh, because if McMaster's not going to pick Orcs Must Die Two, somebody on this podcast has to do it. <laughs> yes. So we've all played. Uh, Rob, you've played some. You said co-op. Yeah, I, I played a little bit single player. I played the original one a decent amount single player, and I have got to play it with Patty um, co-op a bit, and it's been she enjoys it, which I think is a decent props for a game as far as you know something that you know anybody would pick up. So I mean, both gamers and non-gamers. So Patty sounds pretty cool. I'm not sure I'm accepting that she's a non-gamer. She, she is very cool. <laughs> Now, uh, so I've only played it co-op because McMaster uh, was kind enough to give me a copy of it, and we then, like, you know, hooked up online, and I was just going to, like, play through a few levels, and before I know it, we were, like, three levels from getting to all of the, the content. It's not all the content, because then you can go do and go through yeah, and do survival mode, you can do it on the more difficult modes, there's plenty of stuff to grind to unlock, and I'm totally looking forward to all of that, but I've mm -hmm. only played it with McMaster basically having my back. I've not done any single player. Uh, McMaster, have you done any solo? You haven't played without yeah. me, have you, jerk? Oh, I have. I have. <laughs> hey, you had your chance. There were orcs everywhere. <laughs> and I they must to, die. They must die. So I'm sorry. 
Uh, how does it uh, does it feel uh, uh, difficult? I, I note your absence. We'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it's not even that you know it, when you play it uh, solo, you get ten uh, slots for traps or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's not like you don't have access to everything. Uh, but it's you've harder only got to... half of the firepower. Right, exactly. I mean, because you you, it's helpful to have another person watching the other direction. Yeah, that's like the biggest thing. Uh, I've played a few maps like over and over again, just trying to get a better score. And I finally, you remember that one? Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one that they have two doors in the back, and there's a long corridor that they come down. Uh, yep. That was one of the last maps we played, I think. Um, and uh, I finally like five. Scold or whatever it is. Uh, five scold that thing after quite some time, but uh, that was a tough one. Yeah, I, the game is a, uh, it's it's a lot trickier solo. So it seems like it's built. You could play solo, but as far as doing well and playing the harder difficulty levels, I'm guessing they really want to push or encourage people to try it cooperatively. Uh, right. One thing that really, to me, has really set it apart is, I mean, you have, I mean, it's it's basically. Its roots are in the tower defense genre, I think is pretty fair to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And generally speaking, tower defense games are a very um, solitary experience that, that more or less is, is also a very passive type experience. And one of the games that was a big hit as a local enjoyment, you know, type on the couch type thing was uh, Pixel Junk Monsters because it took the tower defense and brought co-op into it in a way that didn't feel like two people were playing their own game. You really felt like you were working together, and it seemed to work where the resources were split in such a way that both people could really be actively participating in it, and it was very, very enjoyable. And as I play Orcs Must Die, it seems to, I think it's surpassed that and scratching an itch as far as something that is very enjoyable in a cooperative tower defense type environment, but it's something that really, really carries a feeling that, I mean, because usually the, I think what McMaster is getting at is the big difficulty of it is watching these different hallways and these different running points. And when you have yeah. two people, you can really kind of watch each other's hall, but you can both jump into the other hall to help, or you can mix and match the traps, and you're both yeah. getting points for everything that's killed. It just it, it really synergizes well that it's like it seems like this is really the full package, and they've added so many different ways to play it that it just seems it's a very oh. enjoyable. You know, like Tom, when we were playing, you took that screenshot of the old car wash of death we had set up, there, <laughs> uh, which was extremely awesome. Um, I will say that it's almost impossible to do something like that in a single-player game, just because you don't have enough time, I guess, to set up that much stuff, or enough money just for one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it does seem, yeah, like, well, if if you've got... Like it's not penalizing you for money, right? Like it's just the money I would have gotten if we were cooperatively playing. You get or no? It's not. Quite yeah, that I think it's like every kill. You everybody it, something like that. It seems like at least. Well, I will say, like to get at what what Rob was getting at. In, traditionally, in a good tower defense game, the player's attention or immediate input. Uh, is an ingredient. Like, you're either in there clicking on something or choosing to make upgrades in the heat of battle. Like, your interaction with the game, your attention, should be an important resource. And games like Orcs Must Die, Toy Soldiers, Cold War, or even just regular Toy Soldiers, like, that's, that's, I think, a great example of that kind of game, Uh, really bring that to light by literally dropping you into the action. You know, you are one of the defenders. 
and and to have both of you there, you know, to have to, to have the luxury of building the game around there being two people, that's a that's a sublime cooperative experience because both of our inputs are equally important. You know, both of us yes. interacting with things, killing the monsters. Uh, I, I just love how I love that example of cooperative gameplay. Um, is just the computer throwing stuff at me that might overwhelm me alone, but when I have a friend with me, we're just that much more powerful because we're both, you know, both of our attention is part of the game. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely agree with that, and, and in the sense that um, usually when games are so-called cooperative, what it usually means is there's two people in the world, and you are more or less, you may or may not be doing something with the other person, but maybe you're working on the same quest, but they're over there, and you're over here, or whatever. But in this game, it seems to really, it almost builds itself into these cinematic moments where you know there's something really going on on the hall that's right there, and somebody says, oh, help, I need, I need help over here, and then, oh, no, now we've you know, concentration now goes to the other side, and it's very, very interactive. I mean, I guess that's yeah, kind of a yeah. catchphrase, but it's, it really, really feels cooperative. Yeah. So. Um, all right, so that's uh, that's my game of the week. Uh, by the way, I also love their upgrade system. I love you know spending. You can upgrade each trap three levels, and you pick one of two uh, mutually exclusive upgrades. I love that system. I love what they're doing with the weapons, and I'm even a little intrigued. There's some like super expensive costumes. Uh, I I might end up like wanting to buy some of those. I don't know. <laughs> oh God! Shut up! Just because you are going to run around in your default outfit, McMaster, and look like a slob who hasn't invested in new clothes, doesn't mean I'm going to do that. You should though. <laughs> I, I also I really like their upgrade system. One of the things that, that I don't, maybe is my unwillingness to. Sp- spend points poorly, I guess, is the way you're always worried about it. In the first one, it seemed like it's really the static resource, where I feel like this one's more open-ended. If I want to, I can find ways, and and really what it's going to come down to deciding, do I want this upgrade or that for something that I can change later on? So I'm not wasting my skulls, so to speak, but I still have to make that opportunity cost when I go to play a match. Exactly, exactly. And I do like, like some people might call it a grind, but I do like the idea that I can just keep playing a level over and over again to make money, you know. Uh, I, I have no compunction with a game that lets me do that. Um, yeah, it's, I'd say it's not even really grindy because it's, I mean, granted it's new and, and who knows how this develops over time, but I mean, it is such a cinematic, very enjoyable, I'm not sure enjoyable is one of those F-type fun words, but I mean, it, you really, you feel so involved in the moment that it's, it's, doesn't feel as grindy because there's all these crazy effects going on and you get you right. know, like your car wash type thing and it really it it gives you both a reason to both just play it just to play it and then also by the way here's some new toys and it's exactly how I was just going to sit down and play it for 30 minutes with McMaster the other, other night and you know I could have spent that time watching Dark Knight Rises you know that movie's like four <laughs> and a half hours yeah uh, yeah so. Uh, All right, Orcs Must Die 2. I suspect there will be more talk of this on later podcasts, but for now, that's uh, that's my game of the week. Rob, I think we've taken all the good games. What's left? What could you possibly have to pick? Well, uh, I have been surprised that there's been as as much uh, non-talk about uh, my game of the week, Mm -hmm. which I've kind of been curious to see if anybody would bring up, and it caught me completely by surprise not too long ago, Um, but it is the game Smite. Uh, which is, for those who are not aware, it is a um, it's in beta right now, but it's it's a it's relatively easy to, to get into beta. Um, 
it's very much like a League of Legends type game. You know, that whole, I know some people don't like the term MOBA, but I'm not sure what else to do with it. It's the Dota Heroes of Newer slash League of Legends type gameplay model with lanes and heroes that you pick that have different abilities. You level up, you buy stuff in the game, and you push to the enemy base and take it over. Mm -hmm. Except with a major flip on it, which I think, you know, to some people is trivial, but sort of like what, say, Defender Chronicles does for tower defense by just changing the dimension that you're looking at it really to me changes the game and smite's thing is you're not looking top down like an rts you're playing in the game third person shooter sort of thing mm -hmm. and that that really changes like the way abilities kind of work and whatnot now have you played monday night combat at all i have and early on i kind of described monday night combat as as kind of the same thing as well it's it's league of legends but it's in a third person uh, format, but I think they've made some subtle differences where Monday Night Combat kind of it falls off of the genre a lot more than Smite does. I think Smite stays much closer to the genre than than Monday Night Combat does. My, Just a, my impression, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Monday Night Combat is still more of a your interaction with the game world is much more conventional shooter stuff, whereas yeah. it looks like Smite Smite is giving you a lot more traditional like crazy spell powers where you have to affect an area. Like it's not pointing a cursor at something and pulling a trigger. Like that's the basic interaction you have in Monday Night Combat. It seems like Smite is using a different model. Is that correct? Yeah, I, that's what I guess I was getting at. Is, is Monday Night Combat still feels at the core like it's still a shooter, but okay. it's got this other stuff going on in the background. You're, you, sh you have abilities and you, you know your usual whatever, Q, W, E, and Alt, D, that sort of stuff, but it doesn't feel... It, I don't know, maybe it's because of the fact that it's a futuristic-type shooter environment that maybe fantasy just somehow lends itself to crazy creative abilities that do much more non-shooter-type map manipulation right. mm -hmm. that uh, seems to really help it build its... It's, it's weird. You can almost think of a random ability in a, a League of Legends-type game and then translate that into a, how it would play out in a 3D environment. And it, it does kind of change the way you think about things. Now, now, Smite is the guys that are, if I'm not mistaken, the guys that, that are doing Tribes Ascension, Ascend? What is the new Tribes called? Uh, yeah, I, I believe it's Hi-Rez Studios, and okay. I think they did Global Agenda first. Oh, right, right, yeah. And then Tribes, which I, I haven't touched either one of those. Um, and then Smite now, which is, you know, a, a, it's eventually going to be a full-on free-to-play type model where you have your usual grind or buy type thing with different quote-unquote heroes, but in this case they're gods and they're all... You know, I guess this is some of the the uncomfortable parts that some people have with it, but it's it's based off of actual um, religious entities. Um, what? I didn't know about this. What? How does that work? Like you can be Jesus? <laughs> well, that's always the joke, but not so far. So far, it seems to be pretty much like uh, Norse, Egyptian, uh, Hindu, that sort of thing. Um, Chinese, so it's different sorts of you know. So you can be say Ra, or you can be Odin, or. Ah. Um, you know, uh, Hebo or Shiva, yeah, whatever. Uh, McMaster, when we play, we need you to be Tom Bombadil. <laughs> oh. You know what? Uh, I'm not doing well. Actually, Tom Bombadil was ancient and powerful, so yeah, I'll just let, I'll just let the trees strangle you. <laughs> uh, can you be? Uh, so, so these are these are like sort of they're based around gods. Is the pattern you have your three basic abilities and you can eventually unlock an uber ability? Is it 
Uh, is yeah. it that kind of thing? It plays very, very similar in that you know you have your your three main keys, and then you have your ultimate, which usually is a big version. Sometimes, it, as in other games, it's a toggle ability that affects other ones. Um, they all have a passive ability. Um, you buy items that affect, say, your magic power or your physical power, and they have the usual tropes that have built into the genre about, you know, some things slow people when you hit them or other things, you know, have a percentage boost to one of your stats. Um, one of the big tricks, though, is it is third person, so keep in mind you're kind of you're down on the map looking out. Uh, whenever you attack something or shoot something, it's, it's line of sight. So um, in traditional type games that it's functionally speaking everything is a quote-unquote uh, skill shot meaning that when you fire an ability out or even if it's your basic standard attack if you have a bow if it hits something first like a creep it doesn't keep going and hits something in back which creates some interesting gameplay that you don't have in the other ones and that usually you can shoot right over stuff at least with your auto attack to hit guys in the back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what character have you been playing tell us about him and what does he get to do um the ones that I seem to gravitate to are um, it's a, a Norse god named Hel, which uh, she seems to have this kind of schizophrenic type of personality where she's got two sides, and I believe she's supposed to be some gatekeeper for the underworld. Um, she is one of the ones that I just referred to with the toggle ability, so her ultimate isn't a new skill, but what that does is that goes by and remaps whatever your skills were depending on which form she's in, the light side or the dark sure. side. And I really enjoy that one because I tend to be the very support-type roles. And her dark side is, you know, it slows enemy units, debuffs them, does some area damage. Or her light side is she heals people, removes crowd control abilities, um, can heal herself, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I really enjoy that one because it really gives me a lot to do because I'm basically, at any given moment, thinking about which of my six abilities. And you end up with her, you tend to be sitting there, sitting there, and now it's like, okay, cycle through all six in this kind of way, depending on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very enjoyable. There's another one, which is a tank, which is, um, I guess maybe this will give you more appreciation for the dimensions of the game. Uh, Ymir is a frost uh, god, a frost giant, I believe, who had some big challenge against Odin or something like that in the lore. Um, but his one of his abilities is, you know, as you'd expect, like a big cone of frost. That if it hits somebody, it's more or less a stun, one of the hard stuns in the game. Another one is a line that does a... After a few seconds, it pops and does some damage. Anyone who's still on it is slowed down, uh, which is leads for some interesting things and, in, like, say, the quote-unquote jungle areas as people move in and out. But one of the neat things is his other ability is a wall, um, which traditionally in top-down type games, you know, that ends up being, um, you know, a blockade or you know something that kind of stops people from moving to and from or whatever. Um, but in the smite environment, it still does very similar things, and it's very interesting to try to wall off, but it feels very different when you're running smack into the sure, wall that yeah. just showed up, as opposed to, oh, that's a line on the map. It's like, boom, oh, I can't do anything. Oh, <laughs> I can't boy, see I anything on the other side, either. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. I'm a character that can jump, so boink, I jump over the wall. Ah. Um, you know, Or if I'm a character that doesn't have a jump, but has like maybe the fire guy has a dash, well, okay, thump, he just thumps into the wall. So you get some fun things where you know, you come up on one of the fire guys that are pretty reliable on his dashing out. Well, you start an ability that stuns him, and then the first thing he's doing, as soon as he's out of his stun, he wants to do his little charge out. Well, you drop the wall, and he just charge thump against the wall. And it's just, it hasn't... I mean, I guess in this, a lot of ways it's gameplay, it's similar, but it just feels different when you're in the world and you see these things happening at, at a, a ground level. 
Well, you know, I, I don't I don't discount that at all, Rob, because I do feel like this is really familiar gameplay, but a game I've sort of been plinking away at called Awesome Knots mm-hmm. is similar in that all these tricks you've seen in other MOBAs or League of Legends or Dota likes or whatever you want to call them, you've seen all this before, but when it's played from a side-scrolling platformer perspective, uh, you, you know, it, when you literally have a new perspective on the gameplay... Uh, it, it sort of brings something new to the table. Like it feels like a, I, I think you can reappreciate all those gameplay tropes when you've got a completely new perspective. And it sounds like that's what Smite is is, is bringing to the table here. Yeah, I think that is a great example. I've also played Awesome Nos from from your mentioning it, and it's it's a it's a favorite here, especially with the, the little guy. But um, you know, yeah, just simply by turning it onto a 2D environment that's kind of platformer, even though you still have. You have everything. You have the turrets, you have the lanes, you have the jungling, the super creeps, but yep, it just yep. plays different because it's in a different dimension, literally. Uh, uh, what is there just like, a, what, what is their model for being free to play? Is it like they're free heroes every so often and they eventually want to sell? Where you unlock a hero? What, do we know? Um, I'm not sure if it's in the final stages, but. Um, at least for now, when you first get into it, you have just the, uh, a set of free guys that everybody has, which seems to give you a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And then later on, as a lot of the other free-to-play models seem to work, you have two choices. One, grind out some points, which you okay. can use to buy them, or spend some money, which gives you a different kind of currency that um, you can then unlock them that way as well. And, of course, there's things like skins that you can then spend some real money for and only real money for. So there's the cosmetic-type stuff as well. So you're you're kind of very standard uh, MOBA type free to play model. Uh, League of Legends has I forget if they're called like glyphs or runes or there is a meta game bit where you have persistent advances. Is there anything like that in Smite? Do you know? Um, not at this point. They have leveling where you know you start an account and you start at level one just like right. you would at League of Legends and you move up. But so far that doesn't seem to be tied to anything other than every level you get a little chunk of favor, which is the in-game points. So it kind of speeds up your unlocking of free characters for the first bit. Right. I don't know if there's plans to change that later on, but that's currently the way it exists. Right. And is there really any controversy about the, the lore? The fact that it's using like mythical gods? I yes. have read some rather absurd stuff where it seems... Okay, maybe that's unfair to say absurd, but it seems like... I'll say absurd. What, what it is, seems a little overreaching to, to think it's a... I mean, I don't know. I guess the difference is that some some things are much older and have kind of passed off into the the true mythology of, you know, long-lost pantheons. And some of these are very live, you know, deities that, you know, are part of modern culture. But Like uh, like which, which? None of the things uh, you mentioned. Which one? Kali. Kali. Yeah, uh, Hindu, the Hindu, uh, a lot of Hindus. Uh, yeah, the Hindu and the Chinese Rob, ones are the ones that tend to get uh, people to raise their eyebrows because they're yeah. current. Now, people raising their eyebrows, are, are the Indian or Chinese people? Because I can't imagine they have yes. the same... Really? Yeah, yeah they somebody... tried to get Smite taken out of Khan. Um There's all sorts of stuff. Now, I'd be curious to see who these they are, because if I'm not mistaken, uh, I'm not sure that uh, people who are Hindu or, I don't even know, like like Chinese, are these Taoist gods? Or I have no idea like what religion this would be from, but I can't imagine they have that same sort of Western religion sort of jealousy uh, about representations of their gods that we do. I, I just find that so absurd. The Universal Society of Hinduism... Uh, has called for the removal of gods or at least some changes. I mean, I was, well, I mean, come on, look at like, there's is there Muhammad? I mean, because that would be a hoot. 
Well, there isn't just because, and that's what I'm, what I'm saying, is that Western religions, you know, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, have a much different regard for, like, how we treat our prophets, and specifically, like, our God figures, you know, when Jesus is God, than, uh, like, like, I think in Hindu mythology, they've got just a, a bunch of gods. I don't think they have this idea where they're as prickly about representations of them, and I could be wrong about that, but I just always thought that was some weird Western hang-up that we tended to have. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just it was surprised. a little surprising to me too. I mean, uh, but yeah, no, it's a little bit part, of a controversy. Part of the way why I kind of feel it's overreaching is even sometimes they're not even really, you know, it seems like there wouldn't even be a, a translation to the monotheist religions because I mean they're picking things that aren't even deities. I mean the last one that was released was was a, a demon, um, so it's not even really a, a, a god. And some of them are more things that you a part of like just general. I don't know lore stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I don't. Maybe this is my uh, cultural centric view of how. I mean, I can see how people would go ape over certain things, but um, it seems to be pretty fairly played out. But then maybe also it's it's it is an arena game, and maybe the idea of taking. I mean, I guess it makes sense for say a Greek mythology because I mean, okay, it's, they kind of all fought anyway, so. Um, but <laughs> it's more know. realistic, right? right. Yeah. Uh, here's my here's my take. Here's what I what I'm guessing is going on. Master, what was the name what? of this group? What was the name of this uh, this group? The Society for Hindu Consciousness. Oh, what did you? Oh, McMaster, can you hear us? Come in, Jason McMaster. Have we lost you? I think we've lost McMaster. Anyway, here's my oh. take on what I think is is going on. It sounds like. There was, there was some group that thought they could get attention by mentioning this or taking umbrage, and it got picked up by various blogs, and they therefore got their attention. I seriously doubt that most people in India or China would, would care about this. Uh, but who knows? All right, so uh, so Smite. Uh, and do we know much about when... Actually, they've, haven't they been sort of historically loose about the transition between, like, beta and release? Like, people, for all intents and purposes, are, can just jump in and they're playing Smite right now, right, Rob? Pretty much. I mean, I get the feeling that it's kind of in the... I mean, say, in direct contracts to other things that I've been, been talking about. I, I get the feeling that in the case of Hi-Res Studios and Smite, that they're kind of going with this kind of new model where you don't really demo something, you just perpetually beta it, and it, right, it becomes right. like kind of a it slows the 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 growth of the game on the general public, as opposed to just like a, a launch event. Uh, it just kind of slowly goes from different shades of beta when it's well past more or less complete stages. And, you know, it's, it's I don't, in some ways I kind of feel like they have a, a, a beta tag up just so that they can kind of say, well, if something breaks, it's because we're beta. But I mean, they're, CYA, they're, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, their money store is open. It seems to be working. Ah. In my experience of it, it seems, it seems functional to me. I mean, I mean, every now and then there's small things, but yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Perpetual uh, beta. <laughs> all right, so McMaster, remember you're Tom Bombadil. Just stay right. in the old forest and you know make sure that Goldberry doesn't need any tea or whatever. Uh, all right. And Rob and I, we're going to be Hell and Emir, and we're going to be up on the front fighting. So uh, just make sure things are fine. If the bad guys try to get into the base, let us know, and we'll come back and take care of them. And otherwise, you know, just like frolic. Yeah, I will. I enjoy frolicking. <laughs> all right. That did remind me of one other thing that is different. Mm -hmm. The base fights back in, in Smite. 
When, when you, you say the base fights back, yeah. Yeah, when you get all the way to the other side, instead of being, say, a crystal or whatever, it's a minotaur that will hit very hard against the team that gets in there. <laughs> now, as as someone with Greek heritage, or I'm offended by that. I'm sorry, with Cretan heritage, I am offended by the use of a minotaur in a front. Well, you're a, you're right. a Cretan, all right. There's no doubt about that. So you actually have to, like, there's a, there's a big boss fight waiting at the other guy's base. You're not wailing away on, like you said, just a big old blue crystal or whatever. Yeah, I would I would like to see it tweaked in the way it kind of scales across over time. But yeah, it is a that is also another subtle change that is different because you've got to be ready. Like even if you push all the way through and all the other teams dead, maybe ah. you don't have the firepower to pull it off. Right, right. So it's a, it's that's an interesting turn. Uh, McMaster, in what game? I'm going to quiz you. In what game do you fight at the end of a green vat of just a vat of green stuff? In what game is that the base that you're pushing towards? A vat of green stuff. Let yeah. me think here. Let's see. It's not League of Legends. Nope. Is it Dota 2? No, nope. no. Uh, it's not um, it's God. My God, because uh, in Demi God, you got a big old yeah. Citadel. Nope. It's not Monday Night Combat, because in that game, you're fighting a no. money ball. Right, right. Uh,. Uh, that only leaves a couple, really. So that's either uh, okay. Heroes of New Earth. Is that? Who knows what, I don't think anybody's ever played that game, so I don't know what you fight. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> I haven't, and it's not a yeah. goo. <laughs> okay, but what do you end up having to fight towards in Heroes of New Earth? Do you know, I think it's been a while. I think it's different depending on which side you're going to. But functionally speaking, it's kind of. I think it's a tree if you're fighting the good it's guy just, team, and it's like a demon portal if it's the other team. But it's, it's the same static. thing as Dota, basically. Is, yeah. That's all that game is. Pretty so, much, yeah. uh, McMaster, I think I've stumped you. In Awesome Knots, each team oh. has a big old, it's like a vat of, you know, I don't know what's in there, but it's green. It could be Gatorade. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, all right, so McMaster, the final score for the quiz tonight, you have zero points. Oh. oh. Sorry. Better luck next week. Yeah. Sorry, all man. Right. So uh, let's see, a little Smite, a little Walking Dead, a little Orcs Must Die 2. You know, for uh, the middle of summer, there's a lot. To, there was a lot to talk about. Oh, um, yeah. And that's ignoring a lot of the very soon-to-be-released big stuff. So uh, a, get me started on that. Who's up for some Sleeping Dogs, by the way? Yeah, I'll be looking at that. Um, sleeping Dogs and, uh, hey, all those content patches for the secret world. <laughs> that's one you guys would be very interested in, but also very interested in waiting for. I think yeah, the wait might be over, Rob. I don't know for sure. Don't do that. There's too much on the plate. <laughs> yeah, Rob, steer clear of Secret World. No, you're not. It's not ready. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me it's 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 perfect in like January or something. Yeah, right now it'll just crash your computer and it'll blow up your monitor and it'll access your bank records and take money out of your account. No, you don't. No, don't play that yet. Good. Uh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? There's also so. Oh, oh, uh, 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 not Deadlands. What's that freaking thing where you're the? Deadlight. No, no, you're the. Uh, I You're like the Borderlands. Oh, no, oh, you guys stop talking because I can't think when you talk. Uh, what's the name of the game? Dark, machine. Dark Rings. No, what the heck is that called? Dark Slide. Dark Side. Dark Siders. Dark Siders Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that this month? Uh, I don't know if it's this month. I know it's coming up pretty soon. Here, huh. I can see you. I'm see. pretty sure that was this month. That and uh, August 14th. Yeah, Guild Wars. Is. 
Oh, shut up. Oh, God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything, yeah, Guild Wars is going to have to just shut down for a week. when that. Pretty much, Guild Wars will be like the Diablo. It's like everyone's going to go to their corner, and then we're all going to surface a little while later, and then, you know. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be playing with each other. We'll be chatting well, stuff. That's true. We'll all be in the same corner together. <laughs> but yes, yeah. we'll all be in our corner, yeah. So yeah, all of our tans will fade, and we'll, you know. Tans? What's that? How does that work? Oh, yeah. Sorry to imply. Summer and all. Yeah, sorry, some of us, some of us, Rob, have been uh, having a level up in Secret World. We, you don't get a tan that way, just so oh, you know. No. You, you can tell the Secret World player by his pasty skin. From the screenshots I've seen, uh, yeah, I can, uh, yeah. Like there's a lot of daylight going there. Uh, all right, so thanks for listening, folks listening. We will be back next week with uh, a little Games of the Week, a little News of the Week. Uh, I have been Tom Chick, joined by Jason McMaster and Rob Harvey. Thank you so much for joining us. We know you, of course, as uh, Chaplin. I know you mentioned that before, but so folks know you've been listening to Chaplin from the from the forums here. So, Rob, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you for inviting me. And uh, we will see everyone else here next week. Twenty-six reds in a bottle of wine. Bobby got leukemia, fourteen years old.